1: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech.
2: Hello, welcome everyone to the spotlight here on Fightful. I'm Jeremy Lambert, joined as always by Steven Jensen. Jensen is early. is our new time slot, 9.30. I've got water as well and a coffee cup uh coffee mug i (laughs) could have been anything you could have just lied and been like uh you know i need need a little whiskey early in the morning
3: no nothing like that i actually don't even drink coffee anymore because it like when i have to sit for around for like hours at a time i get all like fidgety like my legs like moving and stuff like when i drink when i get like too much caffeine like i just hate having to be like still in one spot so um so yeah just drinking water and uh I'm happy we're doing the show early, actually, because it kind of like wakes me up a little early. Get to talk about wrestling, and then I start my workday at 11 a.m. So, um, and it also keeps the show going. That was a huge, a huge thing for for me when I when I accepted this new job was that I wanted to figure something out so we can keep doing this on Thursdays because I love doing the show. So, um, I'm glad we're doing it, and I think this is going to be a good time for us.
2: I, I think so as well. I like doing it early. Like the the morning works great. The afternoon w- was fine, but I'm up. At six o'clock every morning, anyway. So to talk a little wrestling after I've already been awake and doing some work and stuff. It's been very nice. Morning, everybody. We we morning, got a of everyone. chat. Everyone's saying good morning to us. Uh guys, remember you can leave a, a super chat in the YouTube chat. You can leave a Humper chat on humperchats.com. Uh support the show, support everything we do here at Fightful. Um later on in the show, in our creator's spotlight, we have an interview with John Thorne. The AIW promoter, booker, founder, everything involved with the, the top of AIW. They have a big show coming up this Saturday, May 21st here in Ohio. Uh, Eddie Kingston's on the card. Matt Cardona's on the card. Tom Waller's on the card. We talk about that. We talk about you know Gauntlet for the Gold, which is the show. Talk about some of the up-and-coming talent in AIW. Uh, we talk about Eddie Kingston and Johnny Gargano. He tells a very fun Johnny Gargano story on the show so i thought it was a great interview that we did with uh with john Thorne. so everyone stick around for for that one later on yes
3: absolutely and i see people in the chat saying like they're happy about a, a new morning show and stuff and I, I think that that's a cool thing about this too is like i hope people that are like working this morning y'all can listen to us on thursday mornings like i i know since i've started my new job it's been really cool seeing like uh like uh like you being around to watch like the McAfee show and stuff like that live just like you know like it's it's great to have in the background while you're working so yeah and the the John Thorne interview I thought was was fantastic like that guy gave us a lot of really good stuff in that interview so definitely um after you hear me and Jeremy here talking about you know the world of wrestling
2: definitely stick around for that interview with John Thorne because I think y'all are gonna really enjoy it I think I blacked out in the middle of that interview and I threatened to fight Tom Waller and Eddie Kingston like that that's a real thing that like happened during that interview right let, 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 the, let the
0: people <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right yeah i it was it was a wild time there at the end i don't know what was going on uh all right let's get let's get into our topics this week steven jensen i mean the lead topic is the lead topic in the entire world of professional wrestling monday night WWE to be advertised a six-pack challenge naomi sasha banks do drop nikki ash oscar becky lynch the winner would determine the number one contender for Bianca Belair in the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, they advertised it at the top of the show. Within about five minutes, it was changed to Asuka and-, and Becky Lynch after some backstage segments. And then we found out that Sasha Banks and Naomi just decided to walk out on the show. Uh, Corey Graves called them uh, unprofessional on on, on commentary. Uh, Sean Rossap at Fightful and Fightful Select reported pretty much that it was... It w- a lot of it had to do with the creative plans. Naomi was reportedly supposed to win the match. And so she would go on to face Bianca and then it would also set up, I guess on SmackDown at some point, Sasha against Ronda Rousey. They were not happy with this as they wanted more with the the tag team titles. Uh, they wanted to do more with that because they are the women's tag team champions for those that don't know. Um, and, you know, there were pitches to, for them to maybe face Dewdrop and Nikki, and then that, you know, that didn't work. There was talks with Vince McMahon. Apparently nobody budged on that. In the end, they decided to, to walk out. Dave, Dave Meltzer is also reporting that Naomi's contract might be coming up soon. And so she's been trying to negotiate a new contract and nothing, you know, apparently that hasn't been worked out. A lot of different reporting uh, on this. Again, go to FIFO Select, subscribe. Uh, Sean has, Sean's done very thorough work on this. And uh, he he's done, you know, backstage reactions from, from different talent as well. WWE put out a statement, and this was the most curious thing to me. WWE put out a statement explaining that, yes, they they met with John Laurinaitis. They weren't happy. They left the titles on the table. They walked out and said that they were uncomfortable with with two people, working with two people, and so that was part of their frustration as well. They basically threw Sasha and Naomi under the bus with this statement. Sasha and Naomi have said nothing on the situation so far, at least publicly. They, they've not said anything. Stephen Jensen, where are you at on this whole thing? Cause it's a lot. There's
3: a lot of layers to it. Um, And I, and I, I understand both sides of this thing, I think. Um, And I don't necessarily, I mean, so I'll preface this by saying most of the time I am going to side with the talent over the companies. And that doesn't go for just pro wrestling. Like I, it goes for mma goes for uh, professional sports you know most of the time i side with the athlete over like the giant corporation most cases um and i'm not i and i I might even be doing that with this as well like i totally get you know sasha and naomi if they don't see that their uh their value is being uh you know they feel like they're they're being undervalued by the company and they don't like what they're doing and they just don't want to be a part of this anymore I I you know I can sympathize with that. Like I understand that that's frustrating. Um. The the unfortunate thing about this, and this isn't just for Sasha and Naomi, but with, with Sasha it's a little bit different because she's done this multiple times now. When you, I, I so there once again. It's just so many layers to this because I understand like. I'm not going to knock anybody for signing with the WWE and like making millions of dollars and supporting their families and all that stuff. Like I have nothing against people who want to work for the WWE and make a living and be a, a worldwide superstar and all this stuff. Like I have no problem with that, but you also have to understand what you're signing up for. Like the track record speaks for itself and you're basically, and I'm not calling this selling out because like, once again, I don't have any problem with this personally, but like, you're you're basically trading in your creative freedom and your art in your art for money when you sign with the WWE. Unless you're like Roman or like maybe Cody, if they put him in that spot, that everyone else is just kind of everyone else when you're in that company, and it's just the sad truth of it is like, you know, they. When it comes to the women in the WWE, there's so much talent there. Their women's roster across all their brands is is the best of, of any company, probably. Um, you know, I think Impact has a great roster for like the one show that they have. I think that 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 is fantastic. And there's other great women's wrestling out there. But WWE has a, has a great collection of talent on the women's side. And right now, the main event scene is mainly Charlotte, who's always going to be in the main event scene because of who she is. You have um you have Becky, you have um Bianca Belair, and you have Ronda Rousey. That's kind of like the four that they're like mainly pushing right now. So to be the women's tag champions, like granted, those titles mean pretty much nothing, if I'm being completely honest, but I think that's part of the issue that like Sasha has. Like, so I, I get that, but That's kind of like the best spot you can have if you're a woman in the WWE, if you're not one of those four women fighting for the title. And it also sounds like they were going to be fighting for the title in their next programs. Like if those reports are accurate, Sasha was going to be in a title match and Naomi was going to be in a title match. And if they were going to lose those matches and they were upset about that, like I guess it just is what it is, but it's just kind of like what more... I I think Sasha wants to be treated like Charlotte, you know what I mean? She wants to be like the top woman, and I understand that she 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 has the talent to like she should be one of the top women. Like I I you know what I mean? So I I, I fully understand where Sasha's coming from, feeling undervalued. And same for Naomi, but Sasha, I'm highlighting a little more because she this is the second time. But when she came back the first time, like did she really believe things were going to be different? You know, like because once again the track record speaks for itself. Like you're. When you sign with the WWE, it just this is this is just what it is. This is why so many talents have asked to get out of their contracts, like because they're unfulfilled creatively. And there are wrestling companies like AEW where you can you can basically keep your your art and keep your creativity and also get paid really good money and 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 be a, you know a full time wrestler on on mainstream television. So I think that's just where the frustration probably lies with someone like Sasha and, and Naomi is like. They want more, but the WWE doesn't perceive them as like the tippy top, like they do someone like Charlotte or Ronda or and, but they're kind of in like the second best spot they could possibly be in because those are the only other women's titles and they hold them. So I guess that's kind of my thing is like, I don't want to sit here and be like, well, you just got to go out there and write out your contract. Like you just got to do what you're told. But at the same time, look at what John Moxley did. Like he was miserable in that company. He's talked about it a ton and he just wrote it out. He's like, he just stuck his head down and just wrote it out. And then when he got out of there, he's talked a whole bunch of trash about the WWE, but I bet you anything when his contract's up in AEW, WWE's going to call and make him another offer. Like, I don't think that he'll necessarily take it, but that bridge isn't burned. Cody thought that bridge was burned, but it wasn't, you know, when he quit the company, but he's a, he's a completely special case with what, what he's done. But it, it, there's once again, another, uh, there's so many layers to this. Cause even with Cody, there's a Cody countdown. Right. Like, so it's like, so they're taking him and being like, this guy's a star. Like Cody's a star. We want everyone to know when Cody's going to be on the screen. And you have someone like Sasha, like I've wrote it out with this company. You have someone like Kevin Owens. It's like, I've been writing it out with this company. I've been resigning with this company. And you're going to, you're going to favor basically what, basically this, the message I feel like WWE is putting out there is to become an actual star in our eyes, you have to leave, you have to become a star somewhere else. And then we might see you as a star when you bring you back. Where that's so backwards, because WWE should be creating their own stars, and they just are not unable to do it. So once again, I could talk all day about this, because there's so many layers to it. But that's just kind of where I fall, is like, I understand the frustration. But at the same time, if you're Sasha and Naomi, like, it's it's kind of foolish to expect anything different, because look at what's happening with everybody on these shows. It's It's all everyone's dealing with what they're dealing with. If you're not Roman or Cody, I
2: I think when it comes to Sasha, she should be a much bigger star. She's in I agree. I agree. Star Wars. She's in Star Wars and they've done nothing to like promote that or highlight that or anything, and that's a huge misfire on the part of WWE. Sasha clearly, she puts value in the women's tag team titles. I'm not going to knock her for that. She should she should want better for those titles and for herself and for the division because she and Bailey fought for those titles. They got them. They lost them quicker than they should have. They, those titles are pretty meaningless. Yep. And I understand Sasha's point and, and Naomi's point of okay, we're the women's tag team champions. Cool, we get the we're, we're facing the Raw women's champion, the SmackDown women's champion, but then we're just gonna lose and then we go back to defending these titles. These titles have always just been, hey, let's throw two women together, put the belts on them, and when they're done with their run, we'll split these women up. Like the, the titles, unfortunately, they're meaningless. I'm not knocking Sasha for wanting more for those titles. You know, is she wrong for that because of the company she works for? Absolutely not. She she thinks she can make a change. Unfortunately for her, we have kind of seen that there ain't many people who are making changes with this company. That's just that's just how it goes. You mentioned John Moxley and how he buried the company. I will always remember one of his points was like, I'm not a fucking actor. Don't hand me a script. Like if, if you wanna hand somebody a script and be like, hey, just go say these lines and do what you're told, go hire an actor. Like I gotta have like some creativity and my own input with this but that's not what WWE wants. They just want these actors and stuff. And these people are real humans. Like yeah. they actually want input. And if they don't think that something that they're doing is good and worthwhile, it's probably going to be tough for them to actually go out there and do it. So I'm with Sasha and Naomi and that the, it doesn't seem like the creative was bad. Should they have walked out? I don't know if that was the best way to handle it. I don't think that, you know, going out there and just like taking it and doing your job, I, you I mean, you should probably do your job, but like, I don't think that just going out there and taking it, doing it with a a gritted teeth and everything would make for great television or anything like that. Uh, It's a tough situation with with, with both sides. I can see both arguments of, hey, you know what you signed up for with WWE? Just go do it. This is what it is. And I can see their argument of, hey, we want better, we want more. Especially someone like Sasha Banks, who she is an absolute star and should be pushed more. Here is my biggest thing with all of this that statement WWE put out yeah yeah let's talk about
3: that 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 would that was strange because they don't even do the the future endeavor statements anymore which is yeah this was weird
2: i think that statement was complete bullshit and, and i will go through part of it uh, again, I mentioned that they went into John Laurinaitis's office, suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk, and walked out. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions, which I mean that's a factual thing. Uh, and even though they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, I don't buy any of this because they didn't announce this match until eight o'clock. Until Raw was on the air, I don't believe that they had this match done eight hours. Beforehand, it's like, oh yeah, this is what we're doing. They claim they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents. I think that's a complete bullshit statement because they they want to they want to make it seem. Will Washington brought this up on uh, Pillar to Post yesterday. They want to make it seem like this is aimed at Becky, Asuka, Nikki, or Do Drop, and I mean we've never heard any issues with those women when it comes to working with them. They've, they've worked at them before. The statement even says that even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequences, will mention that, you know, because of the wording here, it could be because they were supposed to face potentially Bianca reportedly Bianca and Rhonda. Maybe they're talking about Bianca or Rhonda with they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents but when it, it says like they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match they claim they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents it does make it seem like it's one of the four or two of the four women that were in the six-pack challenge um and then it's you know monday Night raw is a live scripted television we regret we're unable to deliver as advertised tonight's main event they advertised this main event for five minutes before changing it they've advertised way worse they advertised Sasha for a week when they knew she was off of SummerSlam and then they advertise her literally until minutes before the yeah. match seconds before the match and then Carmella comes out they've done this false advertising bullshit plenty of times This statement was just a way to bury the talent, bury Sasha and Naomi, make them look bad, get the locker room against them. And I think it's complete bullshit because they didn't put out this statement. They don't do it when they do releases. They didn't put out any type of statement like this when Tony Storm walked out. They didn't put out any type of statement like this when Charlotte and Becky were unprofessional in the ring. Just... A complete bullshit statement. I do believe there is a a race factor here. I'm not going to speak too much on that. That is not my place to speak on that. But I do find it very curious that they put out this statement for two black women and do not put any type of statement out like this for any other situation. I don't like that. I don't think that is. I don't think the optics are good. And I do think there is some truth to that.
3: Yeah, I, I think it was a, that was a terrible look for the WWE to do that, and and also, it's hard for me to believe that Sasha and Naomi would claim that that they were going to be feeling uncomfortable wrestling certain wrestlers when they both wrestled like Nia Jax and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like there are like there are wrestlers out there that have like a proven track record of being unsafe, and they like this never happened with them. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine, like, dewdrop or I mean, Rhonda. I guess I could understand if, like, she's out there just like actually, you know, putting people in like real arm bars and stuff, but she isn't. You can tell when she's doing the, the submission hold, she's doing, she's like, she's half assing the moose, so she's not hurting people, like, you know. So, I, I thought it was, it, yeah, th- this whole thing was just so bizarre because you know, something kind of similar back in the day with Steve Austin, you know, with him taking his ball and going home. But the difference with that was Vince kind of like, I talked about this with Doug on Tuesday a little bit. Like Vince, when that happened, he was like, he like thanked Austin for what he had done for the company. Like he, you know, he was like, Austin took his ball and he went home. But like, we appreciate what he's done for us. And like, he's always going to be like one of the best WWE superstars ever. And they were essentially like trying to get him back. Like, like, don't leave. Like, we'll figure this out. But that's also Steve Austin, who's on the Mount Rushmore of, like, most popular wrestlers in the history of wrestling. Sasha and Naomi, this is being a tough spot because I just don't think WWE perceives them as as stars to the level of, once again, like a Roman, a Cody, a Charlotte, something like that. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that that's fair. Like, I, I can't make this clear enough. Sasha specifically, I think, should be, like, main event level, always in that title picture she should definitely be getting more and naomi has been a victim of bad booking for a long time i I remember when she won the uh, i think it was wrestlemania 33 when she won like the andre like the women's andre battle royal and she was getting like massive reactions and like her entrance and like the whole glow up thing and stuff like people were like really into it and they just kept squashing every time she'd get like big opportunities so once again, I I understand where they're coming, where Sasha and, and Naomi are coming from, but I also, once again, this this is a it's a theme, it's a running theme in the WWE. How many wrestlers are in this position where they just have bailed or, or publicly saying they want out? Or like Pac did this. Remember, he he left, he was gone for like years, and he just sat at home. You know, he's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to come in here and let Enzo Amore keep beating me. Like I'm I'm done. With, I'm better than this. So, um. But then for the WWE to put that statement out, that that, that was strange. And then I, I didn't watch, but I heard that Corey Graves said something on commentary about it, too. So, like, they're really trying to enforce the idea that Sasha and Naomi are unprofessional, which I don't think is necessarily true. But if you're Vince McMahon, like, you're never going to trust Sasha again. She's done this twice to you now. So, like, even if she comes back, like, she's not going to be like this. I don't mm-hmm. think this is going to be some sort of catalyst for, like, change for her in the company. I think she just needs to get out of that company. You know, so we'll see
2: what Vince happens. Vince might respect Sasha more after this. Vince is weird in that, like, he he respects people that are going to, like, stand up to him like this. A lot of people ha- have said it. R- Renee uh, Paquette, Renee Young said it uh, when it came to commentary of, like, you know, I wish I would have just, like, said a little bit more because, Vince, he respects you if you stand up to him. I mean, the whole thing of, of leaving and coming back people become bigger stars because I think in Vince's mind of like, Oh, I respect you for actually leaving and then wanting to come back and like doing it on your own. So this might be a weird thing where it does work out for Sasha and Naomi and they come back and they are bigger stars. I don't like personally think that's going to be a thing, but I don't know how the mind of Vince McMahon works. That guy is very, he's very out there uh, when it yeah. comes to, to his thinking. And I don't know if anybody knows what he's thinking. Um, but it could work out and that, oh, okay, well, I respect you for actually doing this, and, and here we go. Like Now we're actually going to – we're, we're going to make you a, a bigger deal. Um, I, I mean, we shall see. I don't know when this is going to potentially blow over. I, I, have, I have no idea. And by blow over, I mean be, be resolved, not just blow over because I think it's going to be a topic for a while. Um, I don't know when this is going to potentially be resolved, though. I would imagine, you know, they got big pay-per-views coming up. They got Money in the Bank. They got SummerSlam coming up. We'll see if they're, you know, on those shows or anything like that. We'll see if they issue another statement when it comes to the the, the women's tag team titles. Honestly, they'll probably just forget about them. And it's just like, ah, they're off the show, whatever. Who cares?
3: Yeah. Yeah. That That's very possible. Because the titles, because I know like when Sasha bailed the first time, her and Bailey, like, it was it was like the same exact scenario like these title belts like why are you not why are you like why are these just being completely ignored and like like this is. and the other, the other thing with Sasha that I just want to bring up real quick is that I think and once again I'm focusing on Sasha because she I think she has more options than Naomi does as far as like other wrestling companies although Naomi I think would do fine in other companies too but Sasha has the acting thing going on too at the Mandalorian and I'm interested to see, and this is like a real sink or swim type thing. And this is something that like kind of Cody has went out and improved and guys like Drew McIntyre have gone out and improved and stuff after leaving. I'm curious to see the opportunities that Sasha is getting outside of WWE with acting. Is it, I mean, there's no way to know the answer just yet. We have to let it play out a little bit, but is is she getting these opportunities because she's WWE superstar Sasha Banks or is she getting them because she's Sasha Banks?
2: And, I think and- based on what she has said is like when she got the Mandalorian offer, it, they didn't even know much about like her WWE career. She got that. Cause she was on like hot ones. And okay. That's she, a good sign then. That's a really was, good sign for her. She's probably yeah. on hot ones because she is a WWE superstar and everything. But what, based on what she has said, and I might be, mis- I know, I know for a fact that she has said like, Oh, I got that cause I was on hot ones. I might be misremembering of how much Jon Favreau knew about her WWE experience um but yeah i think a good chunk of her opportunities are coming because she just looks like a star she acts like a star she's sasha banks and obviously the WWE platform helps that but it's not like oh we want her because she's wwe right which which you know i once again i want to
3: i can't stress this enough i agree with what you're saying about her i I think she's she obviously is a star and she's fantastic in the ring like and and i think that she can get opportunities without the wwe's help i'm just i'm just interested to see because in like the UFC for instance a bit different of a situation but i remember like Tyron Woodley when he was the UFC champion and how he kind of like felt about being the champion and when he lost that title belt all these opportunities stopped happening like his rap career was like dead and his his uh, acting career became a complete joke and and he started publicly talking about how it's like man well now that I'm not the UFC champion it seems like no one really wants to give me opportunities anymore and it's like well yeah cuz The only reason people wanted you to begin with was because you were UFC champion. Like, so I'm hoping that doesn't happen with Sasha. And like, and I don't think that it will, because once again, she's super charismatic. She's very, very, very attractive. You know what I mean? Like, she's great at acting. She's great at wrestling. Like, I think that she has, she's a star. Like, she is a star. Vince just doesn't see her as that level of star. But I think that if she can just keep getting opportunities, and that's the other thing too. If she can get out of her WWE deal, she'll be a main eventer in AEW immediately. You know what I mean? So like, I think that's part of this too. Is is all these wrestlers know there's other options to be wrestlers. You just have to when you keep signing these deals. And I, and I know it was different too. When AEW started, they they dished out some gigantic contracts to get people to stay. And I'm not knocking anyone who signed those deals. If they're saying, hey, we'll give you twice the money to keep doing the job you're already doing, like yeah, okay, Let's sign. I'm gonna sign. You know, I I I get it. But uh, but uh, yeah, I'm interested to see. I I want to see um. I want to see how Sasha does without the WWE machine behind her. Cause that's going to increase her value tremendously. If like, if she can leave the WWE and she can become an even bigger star and like other movies and other wrestling companies and stuff. If she ever wants to go back to the WWE, they'll see her as a star then. And if not, she can just be a star somewhere else. So, um, and Naomi, I think has a lot of options as well. I just think Sasha, you know, just a bit more established and doing a bit more outside of the company. But um, that's a good point though, about hot ones. Cause I hadn't really put that together, but you know, I, I, I agree though. Like she probably got on the show because she is in the WWE, but like her personality and like her charisma and her star power, they're probably going, Hey, WWE superstar. That's cool. But like, she could, she'd be great in my, in my TV show, you know? And I I think that, you know, she'll have have plenty of options. So
2: now that she's been on the Mandalorian part of the Mandalorian, like, no one's gonna look at oh, okay. I want her because she's a WWE superstar. Like she's part of the Star Wars universe. If you watch that and you see how she does, and you think she does a good job, and you hear stories based on all the stories I've I've read, listened to when it comes to behind the scenes of her on the Mandalorian. Great to work with. Very professional. Did a great job. Very nice and everything. So they're gonna hear that and they'll they'll think it's okay. These people in Hollywood, they don't give a fuck about what's going on in wwe world and that she was unhappy there and everything if if she brings some type of appeal to their movie to their television show they're gonna they're gonna bring they're gonna bring her on so i think sasha will be fine i think naomi look she's deserved better in wwe you mentioned the mania run when she came back at rumble a couple years ago before the pandemic and got like the the biggest pop on the show like they they should have gone full bore with her at that point and they just they just didn't do anything with her, Which is very stupid. I don't know. I think Naomi has been kind of underpushed uh, a lot, um and I'm I'm not even like the world's biggest Naomi fan when it comes to her overall work. But there's no denying that she has a connection and a, and a crowd appeal that a lot of women on the roster that they choose to push don't actually have. And so I think that's unfortunate that Naomi couldn't get the kind of those same opportunities. Um, We'll see what the future holds. Again, this story ain't going away anytime soon. I, maybe I'm jaded when it comes to just the world of wrestling, but it almost just feels like they'll smooth it out. It'll be fine. And business as usual with this stuff. But I hopefully, yeah, hopefully, maybe Sasha can shake things up.
3: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, this is just me personally. I hope Sasha can just get out of her deal like I, I you know I, I don't think that they're going to let her because it's, it's funny it's funny how WWE perceives people right because it's like we don't see you as a big enough star to push you all the way but we see you as too big of a star to go somewhere else it's like well then you you see value so like you know what i mean it's it's like it's like contradictory so we'll see i, I hope she can get out because i'd love to see sasha in AEW personally i love to see her doing more in acting and stuff um and Naomi, that's a little bit tougher, too, because, like, she's, like, in the, like, kind of the, the Aniwai family now and stuff, too. So, like, she's, you know, that's got to be tough for, like, the Usos and Roman and stuff where they're like, damn, like, we got to figure something out to get her back happy. Because, like, you know, they want her around, I'm sure, and stuff. So it's like, and I'm sure they want Sasha around, too. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a it's a tough situation. And I see both sides of it. Um, I, I I'll say this. I would be more likely to side a bit more with the WWE than I am if they wouldn't have put that statement out. That statement. That statement
2: yeah. That. that statement was that did them no favors. Honestly. Like if you just let the report come out and the report just said like, Hey, Naomi was supposed to win. We were going to do women's tag team titles programs with both of them. You could, you make that in the court of public opinion, like, wait, they were unhappy that they were going to be on hell in a cell in women's tag team title matches. And they walked out over that. That seems why they do that. That looks bad on them. Even though again, their argument is they want more for the women's tag team titles and people would recognize that and stuff, but they're getting used at the end of the day. A lot of these women just aren't even on television are getting used. They were about to enter into by, by all accounts, by reports, they were about to enter into um with top top programs with Bianca Belair and Ronda Rousey that's better than a lot of women have it in, in yeah. WWE so if you just leave it at that people will probably look down like wait Tasha and Naomi are unhappy about this that statement just it was yep. that statement was unprofessional honestly yeah. that statement by WWE was unprofessional
3: I agree I mean I would be interested to see how that came about like, who made this decision? I I, have, I imagine the higher-ups, whether it's Vince or Nick Conn or whoever, like, they were just sitting there on Monday, and they were just scrambling, and they were just pissed. They were like, all right, let's bury them. And I think that's you know? what
2: a lot of it came down to, is they were pissed, and they wanted to be petty, and they wanted to make them out to to look bad. And so this is what they did. And I think, as WWE typically tends to do, they shot themselves in the foot with this statement, and they shouldn't have done that. And yeah. You know, that, that's their decision. WWE is, this is not going to be the first public, uh, snafu. First, first public misfire they've had this is certainly not the first, and it certainly won't be the last because this is just what this company does. Honestly, this is, this is what this company does. Uh, any other thoughts on the, the Sasha Naomi kind of fallout and everything going on before we move on? No, we can move on.
3: Uh, I think, I think I've got most of my, um,
1: Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at Current.Tech.
2: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems, it's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
3: My feelings of of it out there. I just, once again, my bottom line, I guess, with it is on a a level as a fan, I, I hope that I hope they get whatever they, what they're, what they're trying to get out of this, but I really hope as a fan that like Sasha just gets out of that deal and goes to AEW, but I know that's a lot easier said than done. So
2: support the wrestlers, everybody, you know, the wrestlers are typically right in these situations against these, uh, corporations that are making billions and will continue to make billions. Uh, my WWE spotlight this week is allegedly we're going, unless, you know, Plans change, and they decide to false advertise on their own accord, which is okay, but just don't do it when somebody walks out. Uh, we're going to get a unified tag team title match on Friday's SmackDown. Again, they've advertised this before. They, it was supposed to be at WrestleMania Backlash, and then they switched it up uh, like the week of or at least the week before. And now we're going to get it on SmackDown. RK-Bro against The Usos. I'm not 100% sold. This match is still happening by the time we we get to Friday SmackDown tomorrow night. But if it does, my thoughts on this is good. Unify these titles. I think it works completely better when the world title and the tag team titles are unified, and then you have the secondary titles on each brand, and they mean a little bit more. So I hope they go through with this match. I hope the titles are unified. And even though I originally back at WrestleMania backlash, I think I picked the Usos to win because I thought the story would be a little bit better with the Usos. If Roman is not going to be around as much as his schedule, apparently is, you know, being reported out there and the advertisements are out there. I think having Orton who one of their biggest stars right now still gets a great reaction. I think having Orton and Riddle kind of working both shows probably works out for them better than the Usos. Working both shows, so I would probably go with RK Bro in this match. A lot of people in the chat are saying DQ finish, and look, I totally buy that as well because they love that shit. And maybe they do a DQ finish to set up Hell in a Cell, but they still don't unify the titles. And this is all one big fucking bullshit nonsense that they like to do, which wouldn't shock me at all. And that's why I didn't get my hopes up too much.
3: Yeah, yeah, I. I'm with you. Cause yeah, like you said, this was advertised for was the last pay-per-view. So like, and then they just made it into like a, like the six man match and everything. Um, I'm not fully sold that the titles will actually be unified on, on Friday or tomorrow, I guess Just I should say, but, um, but maybe they are. And let's assume, let's assume the match happens and there's a real winner. I could understand that line of thinking with RK bro, especially with Orton. Like you said, like that makes a lot of sense, but I will say this, like, with them unifying the world title, and then if they are going to go through with unifying the tag titles, they're I'm telling y'all, like they're ending this brand split. The brand split doesn't exist, anyways. I've been hashtag the brand split doesn't exist. I've been saying it forever, but like they got to get rid of this stupid brand split because if Roman's going to be taking a reduced schedule and like, clearly, Cody's the successor. Like, people are going to, oh, you're biased even because you're a Cody lover, blah, blah, blah. Look at what they're doing. Like, it's clear as day. Like, who else gets a countdown clock? Like, hey, I know y'all don't like the show, but if you like Cody, we're letting you know when he's going to be on. So you can tune in for Cody. Like, he's clearly the succession plan. I think they're going to get to a spot fairly soon where, because Brock can't do this forever and he's getting up there in age. I think Roman's going to become kind of like the Brock role where he's there, but he's not there all the time. And when he is, it's a really big deal. Cody's kind of like your new Roman slash Cena guy for the next like five years. And then you got to create a new star to to succeed him, which I don't think the WWE is going to do. I think their new star is going to wind up being like MJF or like jungle boy or something. It'll be someone from AEW that they sign over probably because they can't create their own stars. So I think that they're preparing for this. Like, you got, if you don't have Roman anymore, like, you got to get all your stars on both shows, like, all your real stars on both shows. And I mean, that's where they're headed. I don't know why else they would be unifying the championship belts if they didn't plan on just consolidating it all into one roster and having them all on Raw and SmackDown. Because um, they're also going to continue to lose talent, more and more talent. Like, at some point, the roster is going to be pretty small to the point where, like, they're not going to need the two brands the two rosters, in my opinion. so You're going to call
2: up everybody from NXT, bring up Tony D'Angelo and rename him and bring up Carmelo Hayes and Cameron Grimes.
3: mm -hmm. Yeah, you can do that. But once again, I think they might get a few... um, Like, out of the NXT system, they might get a few people that they can use long-term. But I don't... It's... (laughs) to to get over that hump of like Vince perceiving you as like a actual legitimate superstar that's so tough and that's so unpredictable like I think Braun Breaker probably is the best chance of anyone in NXT 2.0 based on like his look and his presentation and his his lineage and stuff like that but like um but my point is I, I I think I hope that they do consolidate the tag titles um I hate the brand split. I, I absolutely hate it. I I, li- I liked it back in like the early 2000s when they first did it. And then when they redid it again, when it was like AJ Styles and Ambrose being like the world title scene on SmackDown and stuff, like I thought it was okay then for a little while, but for the most part, I just hate the brand split. And I'm, I'm hoping, uh, you know, I don't really have a, a preference on who wins the tag titles personally, because I, I like both teams. Um, I'm fine with either team having those title belts, but um But yeah, I guess, so so as far as a prediction goes, I guess I go RK, bro, because I still think there's a story to be told about the Usos losing those titles and how Roman reacts to that. You know, I'm interested to see Roman, like, really give those guys hell for, like, losing these title belts and making the family look bad.
2: Um, We've seen that. He did that with Jimmy and, and Jay before when... They couldn't win the titles and you know Jay was trying to defy them and then Jimmy came back and stuff. I think them holding all the gold and just monopolizing things is honestly just like the better story. And then it slowly starts to to crumble. But because Roman isn't going to – we don't know how much he's working right now. I don't know if that's what they're going to do. What they're probably going to end up doing is RK-Bro is going to win. And because Riddle need Roman in the face – on SmackDown, Roman's just gonna beat both of them in a handicap match, and then Roman's gonna have both world titles and all four of the tag titles as well. He's just gonna have all all this gold, and then he's gonna beat whoever who's the US Champion. Theory against Theory, he's gonna beat him. Who's the Intercontinental Champion? Uh... Rick, Ricochet. Rick, he's gonna beat Ricochet. He's just gonna be. He's just gonna, gonna put all the titles on Roman. He's gonna do Ultimo Dragon picture, the Shared Delaware picture. He's gonna do that. I'm legitimately, I'm bullshitting about him winning the secondary titles a little bit. I'm not bullshitting about him just winning the tag titles, beating both guys. And they, they'll do him and Riddle in a singles match for all four of the tag team titles.
3: Yeah, I I mean, I could see it. And by the way, your connection, I think, is going a little bit. Um, oh, that's not good. I can hear you just fine with the video. Um, But uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I see people in the chat talking about Solo Sakoa as well. Which <laughs> that's another just head scratcher. Cause like when you watch NXT, it's like he's clearly an Uso and everybody knows it. And for some reason, they aren't calling him Uso. Like it's solo Sokoa. Like, why wouldn't you just call him solo Uso or whatever Uso? Like, um, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, I also think there's a story to be told potentially of the Usos. Holding on to those title belts and Roman being the one to lose to Cody before the Usos lose and them turning the tables on Roman and being like, "You lost." Like all this stuff that you've been saying to us, like you're the one who lost your belt. Like now what? You know, like I, I there there's 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 some stuff they could potentially do with with th- these scenarios, but um, but yeah. I mean, once again, I hope they consolidate the titles because I want them to consolidate all the titles. I want them to end the brand split. But as far as a prediction. Like personally speaking, I'd probably, I'd probably like to keep the belt on the Usos just because I think that they're, I, I love the aesthetic of, of, of them with those belts and Roman with his belt and the bloodline being as dominant as they are. I think it's really, a, a really, really great story. A really great long-term story that's been playing out over the last couple of years. But I also, you know, I have no issue with Riddle and, uh, and Orton winning the tag titles. And I also have no issue with Riddle and Orton getting a shot at, at uh, Roman for the world title as well so a lot of talent between all these people um and i just hope they just wind up having good matches so
2: uh let's move on to aew we're gonna stay in the tag team division last night it was announced that at double or nothing it'll be a Traffic express Luchasaurus, and jungle boy against ricky starks and powerhouse hobbs against swerve and keith lee for the AEW tag team titles at double or nothing Swerve and, and Lee and Ricky and Hobbs have been feuding for a little bit, and then they kind of just got thrown into the the, the mix Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus because Ricky beat Jungle Boy last week and Swerve came out. We're going to have a triple threat match next week uh, between Ricky, Jungle Boy, and Swerve, which I'm sure will be great. We're going to have the Titan title match. I say put the belt on Ricky and Hobbs. I think that makes the most sense here. I think Christian ends up turning on jungle boy i know we've kind of been predicting that for a while but at some point it seems like it's gonna happen and then uh swerve and keith lee are two like kind of singles guys and i think they have more potential as singles guys than a tag team so i would put the belts on ricky and mobs
3: yeah i mean that's this is another great problem to have where everyone involved is great so like I think the match is going to be really, really good or, or great or fantastic. You know, I, I, am very much looking forward to that tag team match. I really like, I, I think that whoever, whoever's decision it was, whether it was Tony Khan or the rest themselves, whoever's decision it was to put Keith Lee and Swerve together, I think is, it was really smart. Like I thought that was a, a really good move. I didn't see that tag team coming at all when they started putting that together and I, I really like the pairing of them because those are two guys that are super talented that really should be getting pushed heavily in AEW. But as singles guys in like the current landscape, they're probably going to get a little bit overshadowed just because of all the other stuff going on around them. Them as a tag team, I think, is working really, really well. I like it a lot. Um, Starks and Hobbs. Yeah, I mean... Starks is another one of those guys. Like when I talk about WWE needing stars, I could see him being a guy that they heavily scout when he's available. Like I think Starks is, he hasn't even hit his potential yet of like how big of a star he's going to be in wrestling. Like he has, he hasn't even begun to peak probably like the guy's super charismatic, great in the ring, great look. And by the way, really, really good real life friends with Cody Rhodes, which is he's got a, he's got an in, in the in WWE if, if he wants it. So, um, but I think that him and the, the, the interesting thing with with Starks is like the FTW title and like kind of the singles run and everything um but Hobbs needs more to do also so like I like the pairing of them as a tag team I don't know if they'll win the match um I think I'm leaning more Jurassic Express retaining but I also say like what's Christian doing with these guys still <laughs> like you know it's so weird like every time I see him, I joke, I'm always like, man, Marco's stunt looks way different nowadays. You know, like I, like how, like why is Christian still, and he's, and he's out there talking about like, he's part of the tag team champions. Like when he goes and he does these interviews, these promos, he's like, we're the best tag team in the world. And it's like, well, yeah, but you're not ever defending the tag titles. Like you're like, why are you still hanging out with these guys? It doesn't make any sense. So a um, mentor, he's a no, mentor. I, I get it. It's similar to like Matt Hardy being a mentor for like private party and stuff like that. Like it's someone with a lot of tag team experience helping out. I, I get that. But like, I don't think Jurassic Express needs Christian. And I think that obviously at some point Christian is going to turn and they'll do some sort of big Christian and jungle boy match. I'd imagine they've been building that. I feel like for like the last year, but um that all to say, I do think Jurassic Express will retain. But I think it's really, really smart that they put these other two tag teams in with them because they're tag teams that haven't had title opportunities, and the AEW's tag division is super mega ultra stacked in my opinion. Like they have so many damn good tag teams. So now you're get you're putting even more credibility on newer teams that you know, like Starks and Hogs being a team, and and uh, Keith Lee and uh, Swerve being a tag team and stuff together. They're established. They're all established wrestlers within AEW, but but not so much as tag teams and i think this will help establish them as tag teams going forward if they want to keep them as tag teams and if not it's a good thing to get them on the pay-per-view and have them have a great match even if it's not going to be a long-term thing with the tag team so um so yeah i i, I, I love the decision to because then also on the pay-per-view we got to keep in mind i mean we're gonna have like the young bucks and the hardies and probably sting and darby and uh FTR and I mean like there, there's so many tag teams that are going to be showcased on this pay-per-view so it's cool to see the tag match just being something a little bit different that we haven't seen
2: before I I don't know if FTR is actually going to make this pay-per-view I know that on device kind of throughout the challenge that feels like a television match roh to me yeah yeah I, I think that's going to end up on tv I, I do think at the pay-per-view we are going to get Bucks and Red Dragon against, spoiler, I think Kyle O'Reilly loses to Smoa Joe. Uh, I think really, we're going to get-
3: Really? God, come on, man. Why would- uh, Okay. I, well, I, it's
2: just a prediction. It's it's yeah, not a okay. full-on spoiler, but it's just a prediction. Um, I do think we're going to get Bucks and Red Dragon against Sting, Darby, and Hardys at the pay-per-view and a multi-man match. And then, and then <clears throat> go from there. Uh, I, I put the belts on Starks and Hobbs because FTR looks like they might be next in line. You do have, um, and, and you know they're a babyface team. I think Santana Ortiz been banging that truck for a while. Uh, who knows if they're ever gonna get back around to that? But they're another babyface team. I think you gotta kind of go with a heel team for a little while. And it does feel like, I maybe Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus haven't had the belts for that long. It does feel like they've had them for a while and their reign has been fine but it just feels like they've just been doing tag team matches i don't feel like there's really been any story to their, their tag team matches honestly and i think Sparks and hobbs can just do more with them and the real story is jungle boy and christian it would appear that has less to do with tag division and more to do with what they are actually doing yeah no, I agree.
3: And, and I, and also I, I'm with you with FCR. I know they'll do FCR versus Punky Vice. I, and I would imagine that probably won't be on the pay-per-view, but, but my, my point obviously was more like, there's going to be a lot of great tag team wrestling on the pay-per-view. Um, and this match I, I am looking forward to, I think it's going to be really good, but once again, I'll take, I'll take uh dressing express to retain. I think they're just going to lose the titles to a team that's more established at some point. I don't know exactly yeah. who, who that team's going to be, but, um, but that said, I think it's going to be a great match. And I'm once again, I can't stress it enough. I'm just happy that guys like Starks, Hobbs, uh, Swerve, and Keith Lee are all going to be on the pay-per-view doing their thing in and, and a match that matters.
2: I mean, this is the second straight pay-per-view, I believe, where Jurassic Express have just been the, the fodder, the side chick for the actual story of the teams. Because we had Young Bucks and Red Dragon the first time. It's like, oh, yeah, well, they're the tag team champs. Let's just kind of put them there. And then the real story here has been lee and Spur against stars and hobs and it's like oh well tag team champs let's put them here. i don't think this is like the best booking in the world when it comes to jurassic express and their run being the side chick team here um speaking of multi-man matches that we're gonna get at the pay-per-view blackpool combat club uh plus john moxley santana and ortiz against the jericho appreciation society uh no sports entertainment bullshit According to John Moxley, he ain't doing that stadium stampede nonsense. He wants to fight. He wants to fuck people up. Same with Eddie Kingston. He doesn't care about your ratings or your your house, how, how big the house is. He wants to fight, bitches. So that's what we're going to get. We're going to get a five-on-five fight. And Jensen, I don't know if you saw this, but Brian Danielson got his leg stuck in the ramp at the end of Rampage. It was apparently there for 10 minutes. Okay, I'm going to switch my connection here in a second jensen you okay. comment on the uh danielson stuff and blackpool combat club and jericho appreciation society apologies everybody
3: okay yes i will do that um i'm waiting for jeremy to pop off here am i gonna am i gonna look all crazy in like the split screen do i need to i don't have access to StreamYard right now y'all um i think i'll we'll stay where, where i'm at it it looks like okay so um when it comes to this segment and danielson getting his leg trapped I I saw the video of him getting his leg trapped this morning because I saw how you had titled our our video today. It was like Danielson gets trapped. And I was like, does he talk about getting trapped up there like in the ring during the segment? Cause like he kind of like they kind of like, you know, like when Kingston when when uh when they were talking about Danielson being like a judgmental prick and then like Kingston was like, Yes, and Danielson just kind of like shrugged his shoulders, <laughs> you know, like I um I, but yeah, him getting stuck in the ramp—I'll say that real quick. That is just bizarre. Like AEW has had some weird track records of like, like. Remember when Cash Wheeler like got his like wrist stuck in like the like the turnbuckle and it was like like torn open and so I mean just bizarre one in a billion type scenarios. How the hell do you have it set up to someone or somebody's foot can slide through the entrance ramp like that? That is that was nuts. Um, and the fact that he was stuck for ten minutes is like actually legitimately scary like i hope he's okay i don't know anything more about it and jeremy your connection seems to look a lot better by the way
2: all right good. um
3: um as far as the segment the reason that i chose this as my um as my spotlight for AEW this week there was a lot of hits and misses i think in this segment um the hits mainly were like i loved when jericho was like we want you to be in the stadium stampede and and, and Moxley is like i'm not doing that shit like i was like okay that's that's hilarious um jericho is saying the stuff that he said i know i'm sure it triggered a lot of people probably saying the stuff about like uh basically uh poking at uh moxley's uh rehab uh for for the alcohol issue that he had and all that stuff but that's i hope i understand it's insensitive i understand that but like i think wrestling fans also need to understand that like this is it's a it's a heel who's trying to who's like, that's like the point like like he like he's he's crossing the line because he wants him, you to boo him you know um there's there's obviously a line that like you really really don't want to cross but i don't think because i also don't think that these these things are being said without moxley being okay with it you know yeah, like i, I so. you know so that's the other thing too i'm sure i'm sure it was all cleared with with everybody involved because otherwise why i don't think i just don't think that they would say that stuff if it wasn't cleared ahead of time Um the Regal stuff was weird. Okay. When when I was expecting like Regal to be like Jericho, and I'm not even a tempted William Regal accent because I'll just butcher it. He he was like Jericho. I I expected him to be like Jericho. I've known you for 30 years. And when you were getting your massive pushes, when you were in WCW, I felt bad for you because you were out there busting your ass. But when you got to WWE and we were both there and I was a real man's man and and, and they didn't do anything with me. And, and you got this big push and you became the universal or the undisputed champion. And I was sitting in the back like you you were getting opportunity, opportunity after opportunity. I'm sitting in the back and I'm jerking the curtain and I'm in the mid card. I'm just stuck in mid card hell. And like you kept getting big opportunities and you kept knocking out of the park. And and but I could have been that guy. I'm just as good as you ever were. And I could have been that position. I never got that opportunity. You got Instead, he was like, Jericho, I've known you for 30 years. I've been shoving your toothbrush in my ass the entire time. It's like, what? Like, William Regal, that was so out of character for William Regal. It was so random for him to like be like, yeah, I've been, I've been just sticking your toothbrush in my ass every day for the last It was It was revenge
2: decades. for Jericho pissing in his coffee. I mean, Jericho even mentioned, or pissing in his tea. Jericho <laughs> even even mentioned that. That's awesome. I- uh- 30 years been doing this shit for 30 years and he got daniel garcia too he shoved the toothbrush up his rectum for daniel garcia as well
3: yeah and and it was it was revenge for the tea okay that's fair and i thought it was funny how they brought that up because i guys obviously I remember got a regal's
2: got a very clean ass he brushes his he, you know he brushes his ass every single week with uh for 30 years with jericho's mm. toothbrush very clean ass on william regal yes
3: and and once again he they they made that connection there between pissing in the tea and toothbrush in the ass like they have made the connection i just think it was it was a weird thing to go to because like the black club club is like they're about like violence and
2: kicking ass not like pranks it was very (laughs) I, i expected more fire out of regal instead of like oh let's do kind of like a comedy kind of bit here like they got what chance during this segment As well, I thought the you know Jericho trying to turn them against each other, I thought was good, and then it looked like it wasn't going to work, but then it did work, and then they cut away right fast because they had to go to uh, whatever they ended up going to. Oh, the Matt Seidel and Dante Martin promo, which I didn't think was all that great either. Um, it was it got all over the place a little bit. Looking forward to the match and everything. But I did expect maybe a little bit more out of, out of this segment. And a big part of it was I thought Regal was going to just have more fire than just like, oh, yeah, I've been shoving your toothbrush up my ass for 30 years. But Jericho, complete oblivious idiot, didn't notice that his toothbrush for 30 years just tasted like ass the entire time so maybe he should like get that kind of checked because that's that's a little uh uncomfortable uncomforting that chris jericho did not notice this for 30 years honestly that's that's
3: very true and then like on the ramp after regal said it you could see jericho like like making like a face with his mouth like um now i can taste it um but yeah wow. but, now he tastes it now he did and then yeah you mentioned it also dan garcia is like oh that's disgusting man!" He, and Virgil's like i did that to you today you know what i mean
2: it's like how do these men like, not taste ass <laughs> what are we doing
3: we're living in a society nowadays Jeremy, where a lot of people are just eating ass for fun so i think that maybe the lines have just been blurred a little too much <laughs> to where people are just so used to it but um but yeah i, I uh
2: fair honestly <laughs> fair chris jericho and daniel garcia eat a bunch of ass and that is why they do not taste ass in their toothbrush See, there that's you yeah that, that's the
3: line of thinking right so um so yeah i uh i don't know i just thought this was a weird segment and like but by the way like i think that uh whatever his new name is matt lee matt magic matt or whatever they're calling him like yeah that guy's fun. like he's char- he's charismatic like he's funny i i think that him and jericho being together is very very smart um and i thought i thought that, like there was some good stuff there you know like i, I really like the whole uh jericho i said it earlier but jericho calling uh saying that like H- kingston and danielson don't even like each other and like them basically acknowledging that but they can like put their differences aside to like fight jericho like they don't have to be friends to work together and stuff um so uh but then, once again, I was just thrown off by the whole toothbrush and the ass stuff by Regal. Like, I really thought he was going to talk about, like, wanting to, like, be violent and beat Jericho up and, like, be a main eventer and all this stuff. And, like, instead it was just kind of about toothbrushes and the ass. But but I, I think that the match is going to be good. I expected them to say it was going to be blood and guts. I but, did too. But I'll say this. I, I caught a little bit of um Alex and Sean last night on, uh, on their post-show here on Fightful. And Alex brought up a really good point about how logistically speaking, if you do Blood and Guts, because that's a two-ring match with a gigantic cage, like, they honestly just might not... Because, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's, like, that changes the entire landscape of, like, how you have to put this show together with the two rings and, like, the seating and the way the arena works. And is the arena even big enough? I mean, I'm sure it is, but they're not in a stadium. So that's another thing. Technically, they're not going to be doing this in a stadium, so it's kind of hard to... I mean, they did this at Daly's
2: place, the, the last Blood and Guts. So they can easily do the, the two-ring setup for, I'm pretty sure, that MGM for for double yeah. Or nothing, yeah. But by this point, it's it's been you know we're a week and a half away away from it, and I'm sure they've already got the the tickets sold. And I mean, they have the tickets sold. I'm, it's not. I'm sure you'd have to reconfigure, and it probably would have been pretty noticeable. Of like, hey, why is there less seats here? Oh, maybe they're doing two rings. So I definitely understand that. Chris Jerigo, by the way, uh, good friends with Kevin Smith, and apparently never learned that you don't go ass the mouth as he's been brushing his teeth with with ass for for years for 30 years now. There you go. Yes. <laughs> uh let's let's go to the other spotlight and mine this week is for some reason Rick Flair is is wrestling again. And it's not for some reason. The reason is very obvious of why he's wrestling again. One, he wants to go out on his terms, fine. Two, I'm sure he's getting paid a good amount of money for it. Uh and you know, Rick Flair can always use that. Three, and I think this is the maybe not the biggest reason, certainly the most upsetting reason is Rick Flair's lasting moment i guess in the world of wrestling is the dark side of the ring and the plane ride from hell even though we did a podcast that no one paid attention to um but the, that's the last thing and it cost him by all accounts uh his a-, a spot in AEW because all of this came out he never addressed it he never talked about it it was just dismissed brushed off that was it and now he is looking for i mean this entire starcast weekend is being built around them like being, they're doing a four Horsemen reunion. They're doing the roast of Ric Flair. He's having his last match and it's just gonna be a Ric Flair celebration. And everybody, when they look back at Ric Flair is like, oh, what was the last thing he did in wrestling? Oh, SummerSlam weekend, StarCast. There was a big Ric Flair celebration instead of, oh yeah, he tried this shitty podcast that failed. And then also there was the dark side of the ring that he never talked about, even though he said uh, he would address. Because when he was on uh, the sessions with Renee Paquette, she mentioned the episode and he said like, oh yeah, there's going to be stuff that comes out. Like it's all bullshit. Have me back on your show and I'll talk about it. And then everything came out and he never came back because I'm sure Renee was like, yeah, I ain't touching that one. Like I'm not giving him this platform. And then he had his own platform and still didn't talk about, I find this whole thing very dumb. I I find it a little bit uh, abhorrent that Conrad Thompson and Starcast are doing this. Like it's not, I, it's not surprising considering Conrad's ties to Flair and the Flair family. I just don't think it is right, but that is the Carney wrestling business. And so Ric Flair is going to be celebrated like the legend that everyone believes he is when he should have to face up to what he actually did and the allegations and everything about that more than his bullshit capitalized every first letter or every the first letter of every word statement that he put out there
3: it is funny how he types like that like he capitalizes everything which is which is strange um yeah so i'll i'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about because you know the dark side stuff obviously that's a a, a black cloud over over all of this obviously and everyone knows what's going on with that and people can have whatever feelings they want to about all that which i i understand like if you if you don't like rick flair because of uh that dark side episode i, I completely understand I'm just going to tell me my perspective as like a wrestling fan with that stuff aside, just like the idea of like a 73-year-old man with health issues going out there and doing this. um, it, it, A lot of people think like someone needs to jump in and like save Ric Flair from himself because, you know, he just, for whatever reason, he just can't hang it up. Like, he just, you know, he wants to... And I honestly think, and he said it before, I think he wants to die in the ring, like, legitimately. Like, that's his way, his perfect way to go out. And as a wrestling fan, I don't want to see that. I don't want to watch anybody die in front of me. That would be terrible. But at the same time, like, if no one's going to stop him and people are going to keep booking him, like, he's going to keep doing stuff like this. And maybe this really will be the last time. Who knows? And who's going to be the opponent? It's been, like, rumored it could be Ricky Steamboat or some sort of tag team match or something. I honestly think... (coughs) I honestly think they should have him wrestle somebody who's like really, really, really good in their prime. And that can just make him look good for a few minutes. Um, Like Matt Cardona for the NWA title or something as insane as that sounds like because Cardona would take it seriously. He'd see it as an honor to be Ric Flair's last match. He could even drop the NWA title to him. Like before. I mean, I'm, I'm once again, I trust me. I am not. I've seen Ric Flair's his, him training with Jay Lethal. And so I'm not over here saying like they should do Rick, like Ric Flair should come back, but I'm saying if he's going to do this, they need to put him in the ring with somebody who is going to make him look as good as possible, considering all he's going to be able to do is a couple chops. I'm sure he's going to want to do the bump off the top rope, uh, you know, do, do the whole thing where he's like, Oh no, don't hit me. And like hit you with a low blow. I mean, he'll do, he'll, he'll hit his greatest hits and and he's gonna need somebody in there that can just like sell their ass off to make it look anything other than ridiculous. Um, I'll say this: if <clears throat> if I'm in Nashville for Summerslam, which I might be, I'm, I'm. If they announce that Cody and Roman is gonna be for the title at Summerslam, if that's the route that they go, I'll I'll go like for sure because. If there's a chance of me being in the audience for Cody to win the WWE title, like I want to be. You're gonna
2: celebrate. You're gonna run in the ring and celebrate with him,
3: dude. I'll be crying, like straight up. Like it'll, it'll, it'll literally be the most emotional and proudest I've ever been as a wrestling fan if he wins that title. Um, but if, if I'll be in Nashville already, like I want to go see GCW. Um, I want to check out Starcast. And here's the thing: I love Nashville Fairground. It is one of my favorite places to go watch wrestling. So I'll probably go to that. You know what I mean, and like that would be, I don't know what the hell to expect. It's very, it, but it's it's tough. It's like the dark side stuff is, it's a very bad look. Um, there's a lot of people that don't want to see this happen because of that, and then there's a lot of people that don't want to see this happening strictly because he's 73 years old with health problems. There, uh, there's a very small market I think for people who want to see Ric Flair return to wrestling, um, but he's going to anyways.
2: I think there's a a decent sized market and that's kind of the issue with it is that all these nostalgia fans and these old older fans, they're like, Oh yeah, Ric Flair's wrestling. Cool. Like they don't, don't, a lot of them probably don't know about the dark side stuff. They didn't watch the dark side stuff. So they're excited that Ric Flair is back, but we are, we are kind of in a bubble, a Twitter bubble of this in that we know all of this stuff and we have no interest in Ric Flair the same way we had no interest in the undertaker coming back. A million times but there's certainly a market for it otherwise they wouldn't be doing that and yeah as people in the chat have pointed out ricky steamboat has addressed it he he turned down the match yeah apparently the talk was flair and ftr against steamboat rock roll express against steamboat turn it down i like your suggestion of cardona if this match is going to happen i think personally no wrestler should want to try to sign up for this because flair has said yeah like if i die he wants to go one of two ways in the ring or on top of his wife so in the ring right now is his only option because I don't think he's married again. Um, if I'm a wrestler, I ain't signing up for any of this shit. Uh, there's a chance that I am at, at Nashville as well. It, it won't be dependent on Cody and Roman like you. I look forward to seeing some of the Sarcast stuff. I will 100% not support any of the, the Ric Flair stuff, at least with my own personal money. If we get media passes and I have to cover it through that, I can be you know i can be a professional and i can do it that way but as far as giving my money to anything like this i'm supporting that shit all right i don't want to see rick flair wrestle i have no interest in it i have no interest in them trying to wash away the dark side stuff without actually addressing it either
3: yeah i totally understand all that and i uh you know i i think that had the dark side stuff not happened it was very clear that he was going to be Getting back into this like a year ago, like when he was doing this stuff in AAA, where like him and Omega were like chopping each other and stuff. And and Omega was belt collecting, and Ric Flair had just done that promo at the NWA 73, uh, the 73rd anniversary show and stuff. That was all lining up to Ric Flair wrestling then. So I think the dark side stuff prolonged the return, but I think inevitably he was going to return at some point. So we'll see. We'll see. But once again, for me it's it's more so about like I love the Nashville fairgrounds. So like I, I would and I miss going because I you know obviously I used to live there. So like I used to be able to go a lot. So it'd be wild to be there live to see Ric Flair wrestle in the fairgrounds. Uh, all things considered. I see that uh Jonas mentions uh he says action Mick Jackson it means action Mike Jackson but but yeah Mike Mike Jackson he's super super old but he can still like literally tightrope walk all the way around the ring and stuff. And him and Cardona had a really good match. I was actually there live for that. That was in Atlanta. Um, and that's another point to like Cardona is like, doesn't matter really who he's in the ring with. He'll give it 110% and make that other person look great. So, but yeah, I, uh, trust me, I understand why people don't want to see Ric Flair back. I, I totally get it.
2: Uh, Jensen, your other spotlight this week for, was from New Japan Capital Collision, Juice Robinson. Winning the IWGP United States Championship in a four-way bout, uh featuring Will Ospreay, John Moxley, and former champion Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, thoughts on the match and Juice Robinson's victory. So yeah, I chose this because I I was I was I guess pleasantly surprised.
3: Um when you're when you're Juice Robinson and you win a match that involves Tanahashi, Osprey, and Mox, New Japan is they're putting the machine behind you. Like they're really trying to do something with you um with the recent heel turn and bullet club and everything like i i think that uh this is a great sign for juice robinson and i don't like the osprey story where he just keeps getting screwed like he keeps like the foot on the ropes or kicking out and the ref not seeing it and this and that i'm not a huge fan of that story of him just losing over and over and over again because he just keeps getting screwed over by bad officiating or whatever but you know, this, this, this match accomplished a lot because like at the end of the match, Tanahashi hit a high fly flow through a table onto Moxley and they're building those, the two of them, which is great. And, uh, I think we'll probably get Osprey and Juice one-on-one for the U.S. title, which I think is going to be a great match. And I think Juice will probably beat Osprey because I don't know why they put the title on him just to take it right off of
2: them. So. Oh, it's New Japan. They fucking love it's switching true. those titles every single month.
3: That's true. That's true. Um
2: but yeah i really wanted just to spotlight it because
3: i was i was surprised like when i when i watched that match and and juice won, i was like damn that's new japan's really really gonna put the machine behind him i think and and i know he like recently re-signed and stuff and like they're so i just want to throw that out there for people who may who may have missed it or you know for juice himself you know just throw it out there like that's that's a pretty big vote of confidence to win that title over those three guys especially so Good for Juice and this he's probably entering like the best, the most important run of his career right now.
2: Uh, I thought it was a great match. I wasn't too surprised that Juice won, honestly. The way he came back, um, but he did a great job working everybody with like I'm done with New Japan and I really have no urge to wrestle and everything. And then literally the day after his contract expired shows up in uh New Japan for wrestling Dontaku and attacks Tanahashi. Like they're going full bore with the, the bullet club stuff. And so because of that, I was not surprised that Juice ended up winning. The Osprey story is weird because he's a heel and he's a dick and like him getting screwed, I don't really have a lot of sympathy for that. So I'm not like really attached to Osprey's complaining and stuff. But I also think that's part of it is like he's a heel and he's complaining and whining and everything. So he just comes off even more unlikable. With everything i think that's the point of it i'm um, it doesn't totally work for me but i can i can see how people are like oh yeah like fuck will osprey like him just continue to whine like i'm i'm happy he's getting screwed over essentially uh it's it's an odd story i think it will work for some people doesn't personally work for me uh yeah and then they're setting up it looks like moxley and tanahashi at some point we got to get that singles match and i cannot wait for for that singles match but it was a very very good match and everyone should check out new japan capital collision uh that match was great eddie kingston against tomira ishii fucking rolled as well yeah. so everyone should watch that suzuki and brody king was very good That so, that is a really good show top to bottom and the stream worked nobody had to issue any statements of fight tv fucking Ooh. over the stream so good on fight tv for finally getting their shit together
3: Yes. I'm glad they got that figured out. And, uh, and yeah, there was a lot of, I mean like another big vote of confidence for Brody King on that show beating Suzuki and like, yeah. uh, you know, you can kind of see some of the kind of the people that it looks like new Japan is going to really be heavily pushing right now. Some of the, some of the people that they haven't really pushed heavily in the past. I know juice has been the U S champion before, but this is like the, the landscape has changed since then. Um, so, um, and yeah, the Osprey thing, once again, it's like as a, as a heel, it's just, it's weird. Cause once again, you don't want to be sympathetic to it, but like he has legitimate gripes because he does keep getting screwed. Um, so, but yeah, shout out to juice uh, big win. And uh, like I said, I, I think this is, this is a giant sink or swim uh, situation for him. I think, cause like, I think if he really kills it with this U S title, he could get into the world title mix and that would be humongous for him. So good, good for juice in the trajectory he's on right now.
2: Uh, speaking of Will Ospreay, my indie spotlight this week is Will Ospreay in his match against Titus Alexander from Wessel, uh, Wessel pro uh, West coast, West coast uh, ill mannered. Um, I admittedly do not know a lot about Titus Alexander. I, I assume you're, you're more familiar with his work than I am, but I, I didn't know too much about him, but I'd heard good things about this match. So I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to check it out. I think Will Ospreay is excellent at, at professional wrestling Um And to watch him like on the indies, I've seen him, I've seen some of his indie matches before and everything, but he is just so much more, it's not as polished when it comes to his character. He's, he's more like interactive with the crowd. Like he's dancing during this match. He's like making like diamond pussy signs and stuff. Uh, Like he's, he's just very, you know, he's dickish Will Ospreay, like to, to full effect that he isn't quite all the time in like New Japan and everything. And Titus Alexander was super, super impressive in this match as well that rolling german suplex he hit where osprey yeah, like way ate, up in there yeah, yeah he lifted osprey to the roof of that german suplex like it was it was great uh th- this match was was absolutely awesome if you if you haven't seen it again it's from west coast pro ill-mannered uh will osprey against titus alexander it's on iwtv go check it out i I'm a Titus Alexander fan at, after watching this match. Cause I thought he hung step for step with Will Ospreay. And I think as a wrestler, I think Will Ospreay is right near the top. So great job by, by, by both men. again. if you haven't seen it, go check it out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for, if y'all wanted to see more of Alexander, like he's a real blue chip prospect, like he's, he's going to be a major star in wrestling um a lot of the stuff that I've seen him do has mainly been on the west coast uh for for companies like west coast pro and defy um he I think he's like mainly in like the San Francisco area I want to say for like most of the shows that I've seen him on and when he really starts branching out more like he's, he's done some other stuff outside of that that region but like the more he branches out into like the southeast and the northeast and stuff like that gets on kind of my side of the of the the territories and stuff I think he's gonna really, really blow up. Like he's gonna be one of those guys that like be kind of like when uh like when Blake Christian and Alex Zane and, and those kind of guys all got kind of signed to the WWE at the same time and they're all you know gone since. But a lot of them were like main event level guys on the indies. Like they, they worked real hard for a, a while to get to the main event. But once they got to the main event and like they got that recognition, they were like it, they got swooped up fast and i think that titus Alexander is going to be in that same boat once once more people know about him he's going to get more on the radar of companies like AEW and you know potentially wwe or new japan so on and so forth he's going to get he's going to be a big deal um and i've also seen righteous reg um i've seen him tweet about him quite a bit too over the the last you know probably few months year and maybe last year or so and reggie i know goes to a lot of those shows live and he compares uh titus to like kind of tna aj styles and i i think it's a really uh, strong yeah, comparison
2: that's a good um, comparison.
3: they wrestle similarly they're both very innovative super athletic both do that that sweet drop kick um and they both like he wears like kind of like the 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 mid-size kind of trunks that aj used to wear you know uh back in the day and stuff so like um, so yeah, a huge shout out to Titus Alexander. Him and Osprey match up great against each other. And I hope that's a match we get to see like more and more over the years. Cause uh yeah, th- that was great stuff. And I love that German suplex spot. Like I, I really popped oh, for how how high he got Osprey in the air for that.
2: Um, I popped so big. I love the finish too, where he's going for the I don't I'm not again not super familiar with Alexander, but he's going for for a sit out and then Osprey counters, but but uh Titus still sits out, but it because he sits out on it right into the hidden blade and then the stormbreaker. Like the the closing stretch was fantastic and just a just a great match. 15 minutes right in my wheelhouse of the 15 to 18 minute matches. So I, I absolutely love this match. Everyone, again, it's on IWTV if you want to check it out. And you know, follow the work of Titus Alexander now because based on what you're saying, based on what you, you said, Reg said, uh, looks like this guy is gonna be uh one of one of the top guys coming up. And he certainly just in this match alone, like proved a lot to me.
3: Yeah, 100%. And once again, yeah, you can check that out on iWTV. That was from West Coast Pro's ill-mannered. Um, and sticking with iWTV, and I got to bounce in about 4 or 5 minutes um to do my shoot job. Shoot job. Um, but um but the timing lined up perfect cuz we got one spotlight left and then Jeremy's going to run the interview for y'all. But when it comes to iWTV, my spotlight, once again, something from iWTV. You can use code fight talk by the way if you want to check out iWTV. That helps me out when you use that code. Um, my spotlight is Kevin Koo retaining the action championship over Cole Radrick at uncharted territory. And I just wanted to throw it out there. Cause honestly, Kevin Koo is a guy that like, I talk about pretty much every weekend on the weekender pod on, on Fightful Select. Um, and he's a guy that I've been following his career for years. I mean, I interviewed him in my old apartment in Nashville, like back when SUP was starting. Cause he was like, he, he, for people who don't know, he's, basically the guy who runs Southern underground pro at this point, Kevin Koo. Um, and not enough people talk about him. I think a lot of people are familiar with him in Garini as balances forever because they're probably the most decorated indie tag team in the world right now. They have like four sets of title belts right now. But on top of that, Kevin Koo right now is also the action wrestling champion as a singles wrestler. And Garini does his thing as a singles guy too, as you're going to hear about with our interview with John Thorne here in a minute. But I just want to throw it out there because, Cole Radrick, friend of the show of course uh the ratty daddy king of wreck shit mountain um you know the wild heart um you know I I love both these guys and I've just been able to watch the progress of both of them over the last you know four or five years and to see just where they're at now from where they were before and just they match up so well against each other and this initially wasn't even going to be a title match um even Dylan Hales on commentary seemed confused he was like this is a non-title match and like the, the referee held the title belt up and he was like, is Ku going to put the belt on the line? Like, okay, <laughs> this is a title match because they, they've, they've left the one cool thing about him with that action title is they leave it up to Ku's discretion. So like, even if he's booked in a non-title on the spot, he's like, no, I'm defending it. Like, I want to keep defending the title. So we had like an impromptu action title match on uncharted territory and, um, and yeah, I thought the match was great. These two guys work great against each other. They're two of my favorite guys on the indie scene, and uh, Kevin Q got the win. in a really hard fought, uh, hard fought battle between two guys that I'm just a massive fan of. That you know, we we try to spotlight these guys on these shows, but more people need to know about them that 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 don't yet. So um, if you're hearing this and you haven't watched Kevin Q and or Cole Radrick before, or you want to know more about them. I highly recommend checking out their match from Uncharted territory this week. Um, it's available right now on IWTV and uh, yeah, shout out to Kevin Koo. Cause he's a guy when, when he won that action championship uh, a couple months ago, he got lost in the mix for our show, unfortunately, because when he won that title, there was a lot of other stuff going on at the same time with other independent wrestlers and championships. And that's my bad too. I, I once again, I, I highlight him on the weekender, all the time, but right here on this channel, um I feel like I dropped the ball a little bit by not talking about q enough when he won that championship. So I wanted to make sure today to throw it out there and get people uh over there and, and checking out what he's been doing and, and hopefully we can get him on this show and interview him soon too because he's one billion percent worthy of, of an interview uh with us here on the show as well. So uh so yeah check out Kevin Q and Cole Ranger from Uncharted Territory.
2: I don't think you have anything to apologize for, Stephen Jensen. I mean, we only have one indie spotlight a week. I mean, between us, we have two. Um, but you are way more tapped in to the indies, and I kind of go more big picture indie stuff than than you. Um, so I don't think you have anything to apologize for with, with that. We try to do our best with covering you know what we what we cover, and the fact that we cover indies at all is a big thing compared to basically every other uh, podcast on the the Fightful main channel and now we did touch on Kevin Koo and we'd love to have him on the show so maybe we'll we'll make that happen sooner rather than later I thought this was a very good match I will criticize Cole Radrick he'll probably beat my ass but got lay it in a little bit early on some of some of his early strikes especially going against Kevin Koo I was like oh Cole like you gotta you gotta get a get him with that one a little bit some of those forearms and stuff I thought he could have laid it in a little bit more. If he ever sees me, he will probably be like, "All right, I'm going to lay it into you, Lambert." Yeah, hit uh, you with
3: a bundle of light tubes. <laughs>
2: he 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 very mellow. I'm I'm apparently trying to fight everybody now. Oh, I'm yeah. going to just show up to these indie shows and just get my ass kicked by everyone. Um but yeah, I thought, I thought it was a very good match to, uh, the Southern, I guess t- kind of Southern uncharted territory stuff the the past two weeks has been very Southeast good. first and- Yes. Everyone can, can check that out on IW TV. All right, Jen. I'm going to let you do your plugs and then I will throw it to the interview with everything.
3: Yes. Got to run. Luckily I work from home, so I just got to move one room over, but I got to, I got to clock in here in a second. So thank you Jeremy for running the interview. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation with me, Jeremy and John Thorne from AIW. Um, as far as plugs go, um, shout out to Joel Pearl. I know you don't like hearing no, this, but shout out to Joel, Joel Pearl. Hey, hey, check out the the Impact. Uh, does that start tonight? The Impact uh, post-show? Do you know?
2: I believe it starts tonight. So
3: I will no longer be covering Impact on the spot or on The Weekender because Joel's got you covered here. Um, and who's he doing the show with? I haven't seen yet. Uh, Cresta Star. Okay, so check that out here on Fightful. Um, and the good thing is for the Weekender, for those of you who love that show and, and listen every week, this is a good thing because not having to cover Impact now opens me up to cover even more independent wrestling on that show, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so check that out. That's at FightfulSelect.com. Everything else I got going on, check out on Twitter at Fight Talk underscore. And I will also continue to do the Impact Wrestling pay-per-view post shows with Dean Salcedo. So I'm still covering Impact right here on the Fightful main channel. But on the Weekender... We're going to focus even more on independent wrestling going forward. Thank you all very much for, for tuning in today with us. And this new 9.30 uh, time slot, I think, is going to be great for us. And it, it seems from the feedback I'm seeing so far, people are enjoying it. So, uh, so yeah, Fight Talk underscore on Twitter. Give me a follow. I keep everything updated there.
2: And, uh, Jeremy, I'll see you later, buddy. Enjoy your shoot job, buddy. Thank you, Steven Jensen. All right, everybody. <laughs> You know, break his mic. You should leave the studio right now before you run this. Yes, I'm going to kick you out there. I'll make that easy for everybody. All right. Uh, we're going to throw to our interview with AIW founder, promoter, owner, John Thorne. He did not have video, so it'll still just be Steven Jensen and I on the screen. I promise uh, you will hear somebody else. You will just not see anybody else on the screen. Uh, again, I thought that this was a, a great interview. Um, but it was a great interview. He talked about his relationships with with guys like Matt Cardona, who's on the show this weekend. Eddie Kingston tells a very funny Eddie Kingston story. Tells a a great, great, great Johnny Gargano story. Just talks about AIW independent wrestling. Um, can they have a show this weekend, Saturday, Gauntlet for the Gold in Akron, Ohio? If you are in Akron, Ohio, if you are going to this show, please let me know. I will be there. I think I blacked out at the end of this interview where I tried to fight. Tom Lawler and Eddie Kingston. I think I'm going to get my ass kicked on Saturday. So maybe more incentive if you don't like me to to go to the show on Saturday, but we appreciate John for for taking about 40 minutes out of his day uh, earlier this week to, to talk to us. Uh, So here we go. Let's throw it to the interview, everybody. Welcome
3: to the interview portion of the spotlight. I'm Steven Jensen as always with Jeremy Lambert. And today we have the owner, the promoter of absolute intense wrestling AIW one of the best independent companies out there. In my opinion, John Thorne is joining us. John, how you doing today, man?
5: Great. That was uh, I'm doing even better after that uh wonderful introduction. Might have to hire you.
3: <laughs> All right, hey, hey, I'll t- I'll take bookings, man. So, <laughs> we can talk about that. But hey, I appreciate that. Thanks for coming on, man. How h- how you doing? How you been?
5: Good, man. Good. You know, it's just uh like everyone else kind of readjusting to this world of wrestling post pandemic, or maybe we're still in the pandemic. I, I, I don't really know. Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy, uh, few years. So, uh, just excited that things are somewhat, you know, uh, kind of trending towards some form of normalcy in the world of independent wrestling again.
2: It is good that, uh, so speaking of the pandemic, so you guys got gauntlet for the gold this Saturday, May or May 21st, and as I was telling you off air, I will be there. This is my first AIW show, and looking over everything on Eventbrite, you guys are still taking the the pandemic very seriously. As you know, masks are recommended for everybody. Masks will be provided. You're still doing socially distancing. You still have hand sanitizers and everything. It's really good to see because you see a lot of these other shows, and it's just like, all right, everything's just normalcy back in the world. You can just come like nothing has has happened. But how was the pandemic like for you guys and just trying to do do anything through the pandemic?
5: Well, you know, I I, and I will say, you know, we we do try to kind of encourage those things. But once uh, a crowd shows up, it's really, you know, uh, the socially distant, the social distancing really almost becomes, you know, up to the people, I I suppose, once there's so many tickets sold Uh, for a long time, though, uh, up until just a few months ago, we were still doing reduced capacity shows and. Uh, things like that, which was very difficult. But, you know, it it was just so hard to kind of navigate what to do um, because, you know, you want to worry about people's safety. You want to worry about optics as a company. There were so many different things and layers to kind of try to navigate through. Um, You know, I will say that I I do expect Saturday is probably going to be pretty packed. We've kind of, you know opened up tickets, you know, starting the last few months and the presale is pretty high. So, um, you know, we we do put all those things on Eventbrite and and recommend all those things Uh, still. And, you know, we will have masks and, you know, there'll be hand sanitizer and things like that. But will people abide by it at this point? I don't know. You know, like it's 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 too hard to tell. Um, But we did so, you know, for. I guess two years. You know, we we were down for a long time, and we did a few shows in Indiana, and uh, we try we tried to do a no uh, no fan concept for IWTV, Um, and then we started. You know, Ohio started allowing um, certain you know indoor events again, and you know we started very uh, small. We were doing hundred ticket shows for you know, the, the first few months starting last spring. And, you know, we just have slowly started kind of opening that up uh, a little bit more. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it it's, it's been difficult. And I've, I've talked about it a lot uh, to people, you know, it feels like the pandemic feels like it lasted for like a decade. And it also feels like it, like didn't last at all depending on you know how you're feeling for the day i suppose
3: yeah yeah absolutely um speaking of the card this weekend though the matches that are announced i'm very much looking forward to um I'd like to just get some, uh, a little, a little recognition out there for some of the talent. Um, A lot of these guys I cover on the Fightful Select Weekender each Sunday, um, as I'd like to talk about independent wrestling on there and a lot of great names that you've announced. Um, And like right at the top of the card, you got Matt Cardona, who obviously is making huge waves in the wrestling world ever since leaving the WWE, you know, a couple of years ago. Um, What's it been like having Matt Cardona not only be a part of the promotion for y'all, but carrying those titles for you as well?
5: You know, it's it, it's really crazy because it started off as it was just kind of like a one-off booking that, um, you know, I don't know if, how familiar you are with with this toy convention, Toy Ohio, that takes place in Ohio. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that was was crazy about the pandemic is I, um, you know, the founder of that Tom Troll used to come to AIW events. And he passed away and his business partner, who I'd never met before, um, reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we would like a wrestling presence at our, you know, our convention going forward. Uh, I would like to just give you a table to promote AIW. So um, I went and checked it out. Like, you know, at some point during the pandemic, they did like a February event and then they gave us a table for June and it just so happened that he was going to bring in, you know, um, Matt Cardona and Brian Myers and smart Mark Sterling. And I'm very good friends with Brian Myers, but I did not know Matt Cardona. I didn't know uh, Mark Sterling. And, um, you know, we kind of threw an event the day before Toy Ohio, just to kind of get them. And, you know, it it was this weird deal that we worked out because we were doing only 100 tickets and um, They were already going to be in town. So it was kind of just like supposed to be a one-off thing. And then, um, you know, after that, we, we kind of stayed in contact and, you know, we started putting a schedule together. And uh, I gave him a bunch of dates and he was available for him. And we kind of just made the crazy decision, you know, that he's going to be the champion. I don't think anybody expected it to happen. Uh, I think you know uh, people thought he was just coming in maybe for you know another little one-off appearance because we were in a different market at that time, uh, which we'll be back at on Saturday we're in, in Akron, um, and uh, it's been great. And you know, I told him I said what's what's interesting about him, you know, when you have Matt Cardona on the card, or and the same goes for uh, Brian Myers, they have cultivated such a niche audience in fan base um, that would probably have never kind of experimented with independent wrestling because they're, you know, I know it's independent wrestling has become a lot more mainstream and acceptable, but there has always been a stigma about it. And there's always been, you know, a kind of stance from a lot of, you know, what I call the universe, right? Like they would never, a lot of them would never come out and check out an independent show. But to come meet, you know, the guy that was formerly known as Zack Ryder, you know, you get the universe out. And I always kind of mess with them about that. I was like, the universe is out because you see all these chalk line jackets in the crowd now and all this, you know, WWE merch that you normally don't see at an independent wrestling event. And uh, it creates such a unique environment and it's been great. It's really helped us kind of get our name back out there because we were kind of down and out for, you know, the pandemic. Uh, Other than a few things that we tried that really didn't generate too much buzz or talk. uh, Matt Cardona has certainly helped the company grow.
2: Now, along with Cardona this weekend, uh, the golf the gauntlet for the gold Kingston who won gauntlet for the gold 14. This is the first one since, uh, 2019. You guys haven't held it because of the pandemic with everything. And now Eddie Kingston is back. What does it mean to have him back, uh, at this event where he was the last winner of the gauntlet for the gold?
5: You know, um, Eddie Kingston is great. Uh, we worked with him for so many years, you know, when he was on the independence and, um, it's kind of crazy that you just brought that up because I didn't even put that together until you said that, that he was the last winner because it's been such like a blur, honestly. Uh, But I mean, that's just one of those things that like is like fate or the universe or whatever, just kind of like that makes so much sense. Um, He was the last winner of the gauntlet for the gold. It's crazy. We haven't held this event in three years. And this event was scheduled in uh 2021 and the week it was supposed to happen is when um you know the pandemic really ramped up it's when ohio issued this the event was scheduled for a friday and ohio issued the stay at home order on that tuesday before the event so you know we were forced to cancel we had things booked um you know people had tickets and uh, the crazy thing about it is over a hundred people held on to those tickets for the last two years. Uh, you know we offered refunds, and uh, people chose to hold on to it. And you know now this show is finally happening. I think it's like been 28 months uh, of since it was originally scheduled. Uh, but having Eddie Kingston there uh, is amazing. I'm I'm so happy that he's finally being recognized as the star that everybody who's ever followed independent wrestling knew that he was. Um, and, uh, you know, I I realized at this point, you know, you can't bring him in every month anymore, you know? Uh, so I kind of was joking with him. Uh, I said, Hey, you know, I know you don't want to do this, but a lot of fans want to do a, want you to do a meet and greet on Saturday. And I know that's really not your thing, but you're kind of a television star now. (laughs) So, um, you know, he, he reluctantly has agreed to do a meet and greet on Saturday. I don't know how long it's going to last, because if anybody out there listening to this knows Eddie Kingston, you absolutely know that that is not his thing, Uh, but he has agreed to do it. Um, And, you know, the thing about Eddie Kingston is he is a very loyal person. And, um, you know, he has thanked us so many times for, you know, booking him all those years when he was struggling. Um, And, uh, you know, he, he... likes being able to come back and do this uh for the promotions that you know really stuck by him which you know we booked him for years and years and years uh and I'm I'm happy to have him
2: Jeremy are you going to be attending that meet and greet for Eddie Kingston I will not be going to the meet I didn't know about the meet and greet until just now but I maybe I should make plans to do it Eddie Kingston by the way I I have one Eddie Kingston story that that some people know about but yes he might not like doing meet and greets, but also just the nicest dude in the world. If you just go up to him and just like say hi and everything, just just the kindest dude ever. He did a video uh, after a AEW show wishing somebody a happy birthday, uh, Joseph, a happy birthday. Like just the nicest dude ever. So it it doesn't shock me that he doesn't like meet and greets, but it also doesn't shock me that he's willing to do it because he is such a nice guy.
5: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, like so. I was I was down um, for. The AEW pay per view last May in Jacksonville. And uh, I was hanging out with him. And like, he's so embarrassing to, to me because, you know, I just, I'm just there to see a couple people or whatever. And like, every person that walked by, be like, hey, Christian, Christian, this is John Thorne. He kept me fed for all these years. <laughs> I would like you for, to meet I want you to meet him. And I'm like, well, Christian does not care, care about <laughs> this story. You know, uh, he doesn't want to meet me, but like he did that to everybody. And uh, you know, that's just kind of uh, the guy that he is. Uh, and I hate any recognition or any of that. Like I'm a very kind of like behind the scenes, low key person. And he certainly went out of his way to embarrass me that entire weekend that's hilarious
3: um you know so I, I brought up Cardona a little bit earlier and I wanted to uh, to get your thoughts on another talent that is a uh, a frequent competitor in AIW um when I'm asked who I think are some of like the best independent talents out there that haven't been really exposed to the mainstream yet one of my top if not my absolute top right now is Joshua Bishop and that is who Cardona defeated for the absolute and intense championships um i was lucky enough to see josh bishops like some of his first matches down in um southern underground pro out of nashville back when he was like first breaking in and what's what's it been like seeing his progression because i feel like that guy is just he just screams just printing money in my opinion
5: he's a crazy person (laughs) (laughs) uh the thing that's funny about that is you know he is kind of developed into this just like force of a pro wrestler yeah but uh it's like hard for me to take him seriously because he used to email our school when he was 16, you know, and uh, try to sign up. And we told him he couldn't train till he was 18. And he showed up at our school like the day he turned 18 because he wanted to be a pro wrestler so bad. And he was just kind of this, you know, still growing 18 year old, awkward looking, you know, teenager. And, uh, you know, he was tall and he was kind of skinny and, you know, he had like some acne and he had this real crazy hair and, you know, he never, he never missed a class. He never missed an event, you know, to come and help out, you know, because when you're a wrestling student, you kind of help out at the live events when they're going on. And um, he's been there, you know, I think he's like 20, three now or 20 he's been there for a few years and uh you know it's hard for us to not see that like that we're there just like that you know awkward teenage kid that like all he wanted to do was you know be a pro wrestler um I think that uh you know he is finally starting to get a little bit of attention you know that he deserves I think you know, uh, the thing that's interesting about him is, you know, there's like an independent style and then there's like something else. And I think Josh Bishop is something else. You know, I think he is, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, what you would call like a, a superstar or what he has a look, he has a presence, he has everything. He's not really going to give you, you know, the five-star classic match, but that's, what's great about pro wrestling. You don't need that. uh for you know for every match on the card and uh, i think josh bishop like you said it is a license print money um i cannot believe that he in in the last six months he has had um looks from WWE, aew and impact and nobody has picked him up yet which is astonishing to me but he's also still very young
3: yeah 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 i i i want to uh I hope Josh doesn't mind, but there was actually a DM uh, that I had with him a while back, and I'm sure you'll remember this, John. um I I hit him up. This was on May seventeenth, uh, two thousand nineteen. It was right around eleven thirty p.m. and it I messaged him years ago,
2: or three years. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, didn't even so today's May wow, seventeenth, exactly. <laughs> this,
3: exact this
5: is the, today as we're recording this is the anniversary of the big crazy yes. bump
3: that was it this is the dm so i said i said you a K okay bro that balcony spot was sick and his response was yeah i'm alive i guess
5: yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was so we just i you know we have this kind of group chat uh myself and the as they call themselves the rip city shooters josh yep. bishop and west barkley who is another uh product of the aw academy uh who it, i think is yeah. I, I think he is also very under underutilized um and uh, we, we didn't even realize that today was the day, you know, it, and uh, I'll never forget that moment um, that day. It was our first time in, you know, what is now considered our home, the Odeon. That was the first event there. And we're we got to be on our best behavior. You know what I mean? Like, it's this nice venue in downtown Cleveland. And um, Phoenix does not get on his plane that day. It's supposed to be headlined by the Lucha brothers. Uh, Pentagon shows up. Phoenix is just says he's on his way. He never shows up. Um, Matt justice and Josh Bishop are looking at this thing throughout the day, this balcony. And I kept saying, absolutely not like, absolutely not. Like this is our first night here. They already don't like wrestling. Like absolutely not. And, um, they told me that they were not going to do it. Okay. (laughs) So they kind of did like the, you know, uh, do and ask for forgiveness later thing. (laughs) So, you know, I am doing things in the back and, you know, all this other stuff. And I see all these tables set up as the match is going on. And I go, there's, they're not doing this. Like, there's no way. And they did it. And I was like, uh i think they're both dead you know like everyone thought they both they were certainly dead and uh then like the the match was like they weren't dead and the match was over and i went to yell at them but the crowd was going so crazy still and i was like i want to yell at you guys now but if you're alive then I guess it's all okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh man. And I'm glad you brought up Wes Barkley, Maserati West as well. Cause I, I think he's super underrated and I think he works great as an in-ring worker and also as a part of uh, Josh's presentation. Like, I think there's a lot that can be done with those two guys um, all over the wrestling world.
5: Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing is like, you know, just like Josh, like, is different. Wes is different, and they're both kind of this non-traditional thing that you see on in and well, maybe you see them on indies, but you don't see them, you know, so featured on independent wrestling. You know, like there if, there seems to be a style that really excels and and gets talked about, and those guys don't do it, but they do other things to stand out, which I think makes them so unique. And um, you know, I, I am certainly you know, their biggest fan or, or else they wouldn't be on the show, the shows. And, you know, they also come and they, they help at the, at the wrestling school now, you know, which is, which is awesome. You know, they, they've gone through the program and now they come back and they help. And it's, it's really kind of like a, a machine at the, at the AW Academy where, you know, it's, it's continuously trying to make everybody better. And those guys certainly pitch in you know as well as you know dominic guarini who's the head trainer i mean it is uh it's kind of crazy like how this whole thing has come together because we never intend intended to have a wrestling school ever and uh now it's kind of the only way we exist if we didn't have that wrestling wrestling school we probably would be out of business
3: yeah uh, and, and jeremy i promise this is my last follow-up he just gonna- he's just he, he's loving me so much stuff i want to talk about like so you brought, you brought up Dominic Greeny. um he's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about with Josh Bishop as far as like Greeny's kind of getting booked everywhere and his, his style and him and Kevin Q that was something that really um has been really cool to see how both Kevin Q and Dominic greeny are both having such a great run as a tag team and also individually holding singles titles all over the place and just the different styles and everything they can do um can you speak a little more on Greeny because he's a guy that like when I see a, a team like the Blackpool combat club on AEW, I'm like Garini and Ku were like made for something like that.
5: Yeah. I mean, Dom is, you know, he is kind of a similar story to Bishop. Not, not, he came a little bit later, but you know, he showed up at our school just as a student, um, you know, and that was when Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae were running the program. And um, you know, Throughout the training process, he kind of like lets it slip that he's this well decorated jujitsu guy, and you know none of us really know that much about it. But you know, it it it, like I locked in on that, and I was just like, okay, you know, you're you're the bone collector, Dominic Guarini. He and he was like, I was like, people can look up your credentials. Like, you have to use your real name. So, did you come uh,
3: up with the nickname Bone Bone Collector? Yes. Oh wow, that's very cool. Wow. I had no idea. that's awesome.
5: I mean that just like uh you know sitting at the school we do like promo things and st- and stuff like that. Um, and uh it, you know we were also gonna like we we had all these different funny pitches for Dom like you know, we were gonna like make him like a uh, kind of like a street fighter guy. We we're gonna call him the king of the streets, you know because he has this well decorated martial arts background. Uh, but we settled with the bone collector. And, um, you know, at first, you know, he would come out with all his jujitsu medals and he, he stopped doing that. But um, you, the thing that is great about Dom is, you know, when Gargano and Candace got signed, they, they left and there was really no, there's really no um like great veterans in the Cleveland area that could have, that that could have taken that over and, not to say there's not veterans but taking it over with such an open mind cuz Johnny Gargano and Candice Lurie were so positive and so hands on it takes a certain type of personality to be able to to teach um and you know just knowing that Dom has taught jiu jitsu and he taught you know he's he's taught um you know wrestling at high schools and things like that while he wasn't certainly wasn't experienced enough uh, you know, on paper, he had tons of experience teaching, you know, at different, you know, combat sports levels. Uh, so, you know, we had him just start applying Johnny and Candice's curriculum and you, you, that I believe made him a better wrestler as well, you know, because he was kind of thrown into the fire and it was like, if we want the school to continue you have to kind of figure this out right now and um he did and uh you know sometimes he probably hates me for it but uh uh he's you know he's what i would call like you know like my like uh, you know lieutenant or whatever as far as aw is concerned you know he's very involved with all aspects of the business and AIW and what we do and uh he's you know really kind of helped this whole thing grow. And, you know, it's crazy. I was, I went to the school uh, a week ago and we had like, I put some videos up on social media. We had like 50 students in there right now. I mean, it just, it's insane. And, you know, that's really all a credit to, you know, Dom kind of taking the ball and, you know, he could have certainly failed as, you know, the head coach at a a wrestling school being, being so new to pro wrestling himself. And, uh, He's excelled, and he has pumped out some great products uh, that he has trained from scratch. And you know, like I said, people, you know, like Josh Bishop and West Barkley and Derek Dillinger, and all, and you know, even the Duke. All these people kind of come to the school, and it's it's really kind of a a group process, and uh, it has uh, really helps our company tremendously because you know we're we're creating we're creating our you know quote unquote stars from within at this point.
2: I did want to ask about Gargano and just his role in the growth of AEW, because I think for a lot of people, when you think of Cleveland wrestling, Johnny Gargano is probably the first name that, that pops into mind for, for most people.
5: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've known Johnny Gargano for, I mean, almost 20 years, probably. Um, I think, you know, I, I met him at some, you know, local shows, um, when AIW was kind of in its infancy, I think maybe I met him in like 2004 or 2005. Um, He had his first AIW match in 2006. Um, And he was pretty much with the company other than, you know, a few months off here and there. You know, there were some local politics that went on somewhere in there and like uh, with, uh, you know, another company that was running that, uh, you know, said Johnny Gargano can't wrestle for you guys. Uh, But that only lasted a few months. And then, um, you know, he was with us all the way up until his last independent appearance, I believe. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, the thing that's – Johnny Gargano is, um, you know, much like, you know, someone like Dominic Greeny is, but a little bit differently. Gargano was always there to, you know, help. Somebody didn't show up. Gargano's going to – he's offering to wrestle twice – Um, you know, and this is really in days before anybody knew who Johnny Gargano was, he was always kind of thirsty to get more experience. Um, and then, you know, when he started getting his breaks, he always still came back and made sure AIW was a part of his schedule all the time. And, um, you know, really kind of developed into this world-class talent, um, You know, what felt like probably to people overnight, but we had been seeing it in Cleveland for years that he was always kind of on that trajectory to be, um, you know, one of the elite talents. And, and, you know, at that time, you know, it was just in independent wrestling because of his size. Nobody ever thought that he was going to get a contract, you know, in in those years, you know, 2006, 2007, uh, it was super rare. Um, but you know, he started getting his break and he started, um, really traveling all over the world. And he always kind of made sure, you know, he found ways to, you know, still do our shows. And, you know, there were times where, you know, there were evolved shows and there were AIW shows and he did AIW shows over the evolved shows and, um, lots of stuff like that. You know, he was, he's always been, um, you know, extremely loyal guy, extremely proud to be from Cleveland and, um. Yeah, I mean, I I, I couldn't be prouder of, you know, what he accomplished. Uh, I mean, everyone in Cleveland knew that he was going to be that guy. And, you know, uh, I I don't want to kind of put him on blast or anything like this, but, uh, you know, Johnny Gargano wrestled for uh, like $40 up until like his last day. Like he never asked for more money from when he was like a rookie, you know, payday local guy. Um, And he very well certainly could have. But that's just the kind of guy that he was. He he wanted to see the company grow. Um, and so there was always a place uh, that had quality independent wrestling in the Cleveland area. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of the type of guy that he was.
3: Wow, that's wild. I, I had no idea about any of that as far as like the... <laughs> Don't I mean that's pretty wild to not raise his booking fee. I mean,
5: I, I mean, like I, I don't know that that story's ever been told, but uh yeah, he he never raised his price, you know, from when he was like a two thousand six, you know, two thousand seven, you know, like local guy with a little bit of uh, you know, skill or whatever you want to call it. I mean, uh in those days, like that a forty dollar payday in two thousand six independent wrestling was like, I mean, pretty big, but uh you know, for him to carry that all the way up to you know 2015 or 16 or whatever it was, you know, it's pretty crazy.
2: That that is good salary cap management by you. You get you get Johnny <laughs> I mean, Gargano on, probably, on basically a rookie scale deal here.
5: I mean he I mean he probably could have asked for whatever he wanted in those days, you know. <laughs> I mean he was at that time he was you know he was a superstar uh in the world of independent wrestling. But uh I yeah, I, I can't thank Johnny enough and you know, then, you, you know, he started bringing Candace along and, you know, there was all sorts of stuff that, um, you know, resulted from him being, you know, our guy, uh, so to speak, in the Cleveland area.
3: Well, and, you know, I guess kind of speaking even more to, to Gargano and Candace and them helping grow AIW and through the training, I know that Kaplan is another one of those guys that was trained by Lorraine Gargano. And I know he's on this show against Filthy Tom Lawler, another guy who... Like, I was a big fan of him in the UFC. And I think he, I think the company did him very, very dirty. Uh, For those of you who don't know the full story, you can look into it. But he basically got suspended for the same thing John Jones just got exempted for and then had to sit out for two years. And it was, it was like, I I felt so bad. But he's rebounded tremendously since really committing to independent wrestling. Um, Kind of what, what should the fans that are listening to this expect out of a match between Kaplan and Tom Lawler this weekend?
5: I think it's funny that you uh, mentioned about Kaplan being trained by Gar- Gargano and Larray because they would always just be like they would always shake their heads at Kaplan in the training school. <laughs> you know, they would just he's he's a he's a lunatic, you know, and uh, he'd be like, oh, "I'm going to try a split legged moonsault," and they would uh, Johnny would just like turn his head and be like, uh, "You shouldn't," you know. Uh, so we I we always uh, you know crack on Johnny Gargano that. Uh, his prized pupil, Kaplan, is finally getting his due out there in the independent <laughs> scene after all these years. Uh, he's getting a little bit of buzz. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and Tom Lawler is another guy that he's been with the company for a few years and uh, always just a you know world-class talent uh, in the ring. Uh, and I think that uh, this match is probably going to it – ha- it has the potential to be – a train wreck. Uh, it has the potential to, uh, shock people. Uh, I don't know, you know, Tom Lawler was texting me like, what are we supposed to do? Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I just, uh, a little, you know, behind the curtain inside baseball, uh, you know, I just thought it looked good on paper. So I, I just wanted to see, I just wanted to see that match graphic. And I said, all right, Uh, Now you guys can figure this part out Uh, because Kaplan, Kaplan's a wild card, you know, sometimes he'll, uh, he'll throw a couple for real ones and uh, you know, he doesn't know his own strength and uh, he loves to take it back. Uh, Yeah, it's just, uh, I I don't know how to sell it other than it's probably not going to be pretty, but I think you're going to want to watch it if that makes sense.
3: It does. That's kind of what I was thinking when I was asking you that question. I was like, I, I'm very intrigued to see how this match goes down this weekend.
2: I, I yeah, like I mean, as, as am a I. <laughs> train wreck. <laughs> I like that it's being sold as a potential train wreck. That's I like being there. I now can't wait for this match even more because I'm not sure what I'm going to see from it. So I, I, I don't hope it gets out of control or anything as far as like throwing some stiff shots, but I do hope it gets a little bit out of control. And I know Tom Baller can. Can handle himself being from UFC.
5: Well, Jeremy, I can assure you that I it's gonna get out of control. I I would (laughs) I would bet money on that.
2: (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Well, if they start fighting near me, can I throw, can I throw a punch? I mean, I'll probably regret it, but yeah, I think you would regret that. (laughs) I'll I'll get in there. I'll get in there. Sean Ross sap gets to go in there and do GCW spots. I'll get in there and start doing some AI Oh,
5: geez. Oh, geez. Oh, okay.
3: You start starting getting $5 for people select out of the fans' hands as you're walking down the,
2: exactly. the ramp, Jeremy. Oh. Jeremy, you
5: pump those social media numbers up. Maybe we'll get you in there like uh, <laughs> SRS, you know?
2: Yeah, look, yeah. Sean's got like over 100,000 followers and stuff. I'm just, nobody knows it's me. I write all these articles and they all think they're all from Sean anyway. So I I get none of the credit, but I also get none of the blame. So I'm fine. I'm fine with Sean, <laughs>
5: yeah. it. Was that you that was tweeting the, the other night during the pay-per-view or what?
2: no that was not my tweet <laughs> that that, that mm-hmm. cyber sex tweet was not mine all right everybody
3: All right,
1: no
5: not, not, not mine either i have nothing to do with <laughs> fightful
3: social media whatsoever
2: all right so, so.
5: the blame is back to srs all right
2: i blame him for everything everything's his fault honestly i i just assume everything's him he tries to pass the buck sometimes but everything's his fault um last one for me just the importance of gauntlet for the gold overall like it started in 2005 and you know i, I mentioned that, that eddie kingston is a former winner raymond roe is a former winner so we've had like a so, uh, gargano obviously a former winner so we've had like some some top names winning this thing like just the importance of gauntlet for the gold for the company
5: yeah i mean you know listen we're not reinventing the wheel with this with the story that it is you know you win this you go on to our big show, you get you get a title match, um, so it kind of sets up the next few months and uh, in, in where we're gonna go. It's it's important because, you know, I, I truly feel that you know when we were about to have this events, you know, twenty six or twenty eight months ago, wherever it was, you know,
1: like
5: uh, I I felt like coming out of twenty nineteen, AIW was like really on an ascent, you know. Uh, as far as, you know, moving up the the ladder among, you know, the elite uh, independent companies, you know, we've always kind of floated around, you know, somewhere in the conversation, but I felt that we were really kind of on a, a great, great kind of upward motion. Uh, and this is the event where the rug kind of got pulled out from underneath us with the pandemic and Uh, You know, we were forced to postpone it. We've kind of been, you know, doing all this trial and error since uh, the pandemic hit. Um, And I feel like this is kind of, you know, our reset button, so to speak. Like, okay, now we can officially get back to the regularly scheduled programming and kind of work back towards, you know, where we were where we were headed. I I felt in uh, 2021, 2020. and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for it. I will say that uh, there are um, a lot of surprises uh, on deck. Uh, a few very, very, if they, if they come together, uh, could be one of the most talked about shows in the country, I think, uh, after Saturday night. That is the hope. Um, I'm not going to reveal much more than that. But there are a lot of things in motion right now. Um, that uh, I, I'm hopeful to make this kind of uh, you know like a hey let's put you know the pandemic behind us and uh, we're 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 back and this was the show that you know shut it all down and this is the show that's gonna start it back up again.
2: See if I was Sean Rossap, I would be asking, "Well, tell me the scoops, let, you know, let me, let me know what's going on here." I don't want to know those things. I want to be surprised with everybody else on Saturday on IWTV. I will be there, and I look forward to it. Jensen. It will not be
5: streaming live on IWTV. It's live oh, it's to not. tape. It's live oh. to tape. Uh, it's gonna. They're gonna upload it um, probably that night uh, or early Sunday morning. So it is technically okay. gonna air on IWTV. It's just not gonna stream live.
2: All right. Um, well, then so- everyone follow me on Twitter, and I'll, I'll be tweeting all the the fun stuff that'll be happening uh, from the show. That'll there boost my, my numbers so that way I can get an AIW contract and start fights with uh, Kaplan and, and, and filthy Tom Waller. I don't you know go.
5: if I don't know <laughs> if you wanna get in the middle of that.
2: No,
3: no. That's a big brain move though, Jeremy. That that's the way I am. Yes. Um yeah <laughs> um i i will definitely be uh after i'm able to watch this show which hopefully will be the night that it airs um i will be talking about this on the fightful select weekend or podcast for everyone who listens to this interview fightfulselect.com every sunday talking the pro wrestling i will make sure to talk about this aiw show and one other person i wanted to bring up uh, as my kind of last question here um just because we've talked about everyone else who's announced for the card so far outside of isaiah broner and this is a guy who, like the last time I saw him in AIW, who's was wrestling Minoru Suzuki, and you got him going right back in there against um, against Eddie Kingston. I think that's two badass matchups. And Isaiah Broner is a dude who, like, when I see him, the the word that comes to mind is just believable. He just looks like he can kick anyone's ass, and I, I love I love seeing his recent progression. Um, is that kind of the line of thinking of like his recent opponents in AIW?
5: Yeah, so um, Isaiah Broner is an interesting story. You know, he's from Detroit. He trained, you know, at some schools up there. Uh, He started coming, you know, to some sessions at our school um, and, uh, you know, training with our guys. And um, a lot of people started advocating for him based on, you know, what he was doing at the school, you know, uh, Dominic Guarini and a few others. Uh, And we do kind of some smaller events sometimes at this – small music venue called the Winchester, where we're able to kind of, you know, sh- showcase some of our students, bring some new talent, things like that. So w- we started um, Isaiah uh, on some of those, and, you know, he was pretty impressive. And I thought, like, his moniker, the Seven Mile Destroyer, I was like, the- that's it's so good, you know what I mean? Like, because everybody knows that wherever Seven Mile is, it's probably a real bad place, you know? Um, And he looks believable. He has a aura as soon as his music hits and walks through the curtain. Uh, Like you said, he's very believable. Um, And there were a few opportunities where, you know, cards had to be shuffled around at the Odeon and and things like that on some of our, uh, what we would call more main card shows. And uh, he was kind of thrown in there and he excelled. And uh, the crowd has just taken to him and it's, it's everything, right? It's the presentation. It's the, it's his entrance music. It's his, you know, what he wears to the ring, how he walks to the ring, how he wrestles. And when he gets in there, you know, he throws probably the hardest Larry in, in pro wrestling. You know, he is very believable and he started just, Really, you know, just connecting with the crowd and you can't you can't manipulate that sometimes, you know, you can't as much as you want to try as a wrestling booker or promoter. Sometimes you have to just go with the people and the people were going with Isaiah Broner. And uh, when we had worked out uh, the Minoru Suzuki deal, there were a few names um, that I was considering, you know, uh, Dominic Garini, of course, but, you know, it happened at Time Bomb um, in like South Dakota or something. Uh, Kaplan was certainly on the list, which we thought like, this could be great, but he, you know, he may, he, Kaplan could be capable of murdering Minoru Suzuki. And I don't know if I want that on my hands, you know, uh, Tom Waller was considered, but you know, that, that has happened before. And, uh, I just kept coming back to Isaiah Broner and I thought, you know, no one on earth would ever book this match. Isaiah Broner is still relatively an unknown in the world of wrestling. And I I just said, you know what, we're doing it. And uh, he didn't find out until um, the, the show before where he wrestled Kaplan. Uh, and I stopped him and I said, hey, after the match, I want you to pick up the mic and I want you to just say Minoru Suzuki and drop it. And he would just look at me. He said, "Are you for real?" And I said, "I'm for <laughs> real." And uh, he said, "All right." And uh, that's how it happened. Um, and I did the same exact thing about the Eddie Kingston match. Uh, we were back at you know the smaller venue, the Winchester, uh, and you know he was right before he went out for his match. Um, I said the same thing. I said, "Hey, after you went pick up the mic, and I want you to say Eddie Kingston and drop the mic." And he said, "Really?" And I said, absolutely. I said, that's, he's like, this is the one I want. And I said, I know. Uh, And uh, yeah, I think there's tremendous upside to him. I think if you're an independent promoter, you're a fool. If you're not putting, you know, putting your money behind this guy, Uh, you know, same goes with the Rip City Shooters and Dominic Green. I mean, there's a whole list. I mean, you know, I'm biased. I believe in my guys, uh, obviously, and girls. You know, there's, uh, you know, also, you know, a lot of great females coming out of her school, like Jocelyn Navarro, who has been tearing it up, who uh, I'm sure is going to get in the mix somehow on Saturday night. Uh, But uh, yeah, uh, Roner, I really do believe in my roster. I think, you know, it is different than every other independent promotion out there. I think. Uh, You know, we have uh, characters and roles and, you know, everything kind of makes sense and you get a little bit of everything at an AIW show. And that's why I'm hopeful that everything comes together Saturday and more people start paying attention to AIW and following us. And um, hopefully we can grow it. And, you know, these all these talents can start getting booked all over the country. I mean, that's that's really the plan.
2: John, I want to appreciate, or I want to thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, any any last plugs that you want to get out there?
5: No, I mean, just, uh, you know, support independent wrestling. You know, it doesn't have to be AIW. Uh, I think, you know, there's probably an AIW uh, in every city across America, somewhere you can find an independent wrestling company to support. Uh, and, you know, that's how independent wrestling, you, you know, thrives. We need people to walk through the doors and buy a ticket, you know. All all the streaming stuff is great, and it's helping, you know, raise awareness. But at the end of the day, all these companies need is live event support. Uh, It it is a live event business. uh, And, uh, you know, anything you can do to support any of your local independent companies, uh, please do it. It doesn't have to be mine. Uh, I just I love independent wrestling, and I want it to be around for the until the end of time um but yeah just uh watch aw on uh, on iw tv you can buy dvds and blu-rays from smart mark video um follow us on twitter at ai wrestling that's uh, that's really it i mean i i really appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about aiw and uh what we have going on uh i can't thank you guys enough
2: Again, we, we appreciate us, yeah. yes. We appreciate you joining us. It is Gone for the Gold Saturday, May 21st. It will be up on IWTV shortly after. Uh yeah. And if you're in the the Akron, Ohio area, come out, come to the event, come support. It seems like it's gonna be a fantastic show. I know I'm excited. I was telling you off air, my first AIW show. I'm very excited to to check everything out and go to this is my first independent show in forever. So I'm very excited to to go out there and just take in. The experience and get involved in in one of these fights. Maybe I'll, I'll throw a punch. I'm I don't know about Kaplan and, <laughs> and Baller, but yeah, any any Kingston, I can, oh. we're 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 sort of mutuals. I think if I can maybe take him, and he, he'll be okay with it. It won't hurt me too bad uh, if I throw a shop at him. Everybody again going for the gold on Saturday. John, thank you again for joining us. We'll be right back here on. The- so guys. If I'm not on the show next week, it is because I have been killed by Kaplan, Tom Waller, or Eddie Kingston. Right? If that's what happens, I've made my bed. I said what I said. I'm not very smart. I'm not very good with words. It could happen, everybody. Come out to Gauntlet for the gold on Saturday, AIW in Akron, Ohio. Come watch me get killed potentially, or hopefully not. Come watch some good wrestling. How about that? I'm some good wrestling. Uh, thanks again to John Thorne for for taking time out of his uh, Tuesday night to to talk wrestling with us. We had some technical issues. He spent like the interview was like 40 minutes. And then he spent like a good hour with us with the uh, some issues we had and then talking afterwards. So great guy. AIW is great promotion here in Ohio. So I look forward to uh, continuing to throw my support behind them. Again, go for the gold on Saturday. Guys, I fight Ric Flair. I'll fight him. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say that. I might I might do anything to I gotta get paid very well to for for that one. I gotta get paid very well. Guys, thank you again for for joining us here on the spotlight. 9.30 is our new permanent time. Thursdays at 9.30 a.m. Um everyone go to Fightful Overbooked today at four o'clock. Will Washington uh it has Day After Dynamite that's every Thursday at 4 on Fightful Overbook. Go check out Pillar to Post that we did yesterday. Really really fun time with uh with Will was part of that, SP3, uh who's a coward, he was part of the show, uh Lily and Lily Alexandra from from Grappy Hour and Connor Casey from Comic Book. So great people, really fun roundtable banter, fun fun and games that we have on on Pillar to Post. So everyone go to Fightful Overbook, subscribe, support the channel, um give us, you know, Good, good feedback and stuff. Guys, I hope everyone has a great Thursday. Check out the Impact post show here on YouTube.com slash Fightful with uh, Joel Pearl. Don't support him. Support Cresta though. Bye everyone. Take care. Talk to you all next week.
4: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule.